The Net Live. Rock Talk Radio. The Net Live brought to you by the Spire Institute. Spireinstitute.org. Sign up today. Now, on with the show. It's that time. We have the people. This is Eric Moana. This is Priscilla Lima. This is Tim Jensen with Pepperdine Volleyball. The story in real time. I can't argue that we're the best team in the world. I'm not retiring, people. You're listening to The Net Live with Barney. I dominated. Peter. We're into that because we're horny for volleyball. Reed. Got a toothbrush? We're going to London. Do you hear that, Doug? I'm coming to London. And DJ Roucher. I have great thighs. It's The Net Live right now. Yeah, we're live, hopefully. Hopefully everybody can hear us. We're almost live. Pseudo live. We're almost live. Welcome to the Net Live, ladies and gentlemen. It is now known as DJ Rouchet's The Net Live because Barnett is in London, Reed is in London, Dieter's at home crying because I didn't invite him to the show today. So it's really just all about me. He's camping or something. He's, who knows what he's yeah. doing. He's but, mailing it in at yes. camp. But I am joined by two special guest hosts, Jeff Alzina and Dustin should I just call you Dustin Gringo? I mean, that's how people know you. Yeah, Dusty Gringo is on the Twitter handle. You can see me on the message board there. Dustin Aval is my legal name. No, oh, the yeah. name that the man gave. It's my wife man's name. Your government name. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's. Uh, how about you guys talk about yourself for a second, Jeff? Let people know a little about you. Um, my name is Jeff Alzina, and I've been a pro beach volleyball coach for 15 seasons. Um. I originally grew up in Santa Cruz, California, but been down here for about 20 years now, um, trying to make a career out of beach volleyball. Uh, as soon as it became an Olympic sport, I got pretty lucky and got a job in Athens, Greece as director of uh, national teams, and uh, did that for about three years and came back and been running it here in USA ever since. Well, good luck with the beach thing. Yeah, Jeff Alzina <laughs> kind of doesn't really sell himself the way that everybody else knows him. One of the best coaches in the beach and indoor ranks over the last 15 years Pretty good player in his own right. Uh, got a 17th and 92 AVP Chicago with Mike Mataraki. Right. Career best. <laughs> That's about it. Took that $50 right to the Cubby Bear and called it a day. Also a six-man champion on Team Fletch, as we all are six-man champions. That was a prerequisite to get into the guest hosting. And um, I have two victories. Six yeah, man. yeah. I think two? Jeff has yep. four or something like that. So. Get, three. get closer to them, yeah. Jeff. I got three. I'm yeah. two, two for two. I played in two, one, two, and then I retired. As you would. Jeff also has, uh, I mean, a partial list. He mentioned the Greek national team. Jeremy, you have any idea? Do you know Z? Everybody calls Jeff Alzina Z. Do you know Z? I don't. I actually call him Jeff. I think I'm you the know, only one that does. How many beach players are on this list that he's coached for the last 13 to 15 years? I mean, you name it, basically, and they're on this list. Anywhere from Lambo, Kevin Wong, Stein Metzger, Matt Furbringer, Carl Hankel, Sean Rosenthal to, you know, Jud- Jess Geisen, Brittany Hochaver, Triple J, EY, Holly McPeak, Jen Kessie. It's, it's, it's everyone. It's the who's who is it's what the who's saying. who is what it is, yeah. Uh, a lot of these men and women just came off a weekend in Hermosa, and a few of these lucky, lucky volleyers are headed to London or have just arrived in London to represent the good old U.S. of A., but also some of the international teams, Jeff, you've 
coached a couple of uh, Olympians representing other nations this year? I've worked with eight different countries, and I think over 30 different Olympians. I think in the 2004 Games, I had worked with 22 of the 48 athletes. Wow. But I try not to list anybody on my little resume thing there unless I've actually significantly worked with them for you know at least a season or so. Of course, that's a big thing in the volleyball world today is the Olympics coming up really soon. We're going to get to that, some of the pools and the schedules released. Let me introduce myself a little bit, Dusty Gringo. Dustin Avald, born and raised here in the South Bay, the cradle of beach volley, if you will, Manhattan Beach, the granddaddy of them all, went to USC, where I rode the bench for about four years <laughs> for Pat Powers. But I did play behind Donald Sujo, now the uh, starting setter on our nation's fine team and go into London with high hopes. And I'm going to take the reins of DJ Ruscha's The Net Live, and I'm, and I'm going to change it a little bit. Nice. Today, rather than being in The Net Live, welcome to the back row. Okay, The three of us, we're the back <laughs> row of The Net Live. Barney and Geeter are a little bit taller than we are. They are uh, a little bit thicker than we are. <laughs> However, the back row is really where you know everything needs to get done. It's where the plays get started and where we really continue. So when I look down the message board and I see the uh, the substitute teacher syndrome, which is you know when your your sub comes in and all the kids love you and then you leave and the regular hosts have to come back. But right now, mom and dad are away and the kids are throwing a party at their nice. house. So we're having a good time here. Thank you to TJ uh, Ruscha for hosting. And we've talked volley for five minutes, and that's it. Thanks for showing up, everybody. Appreciate it. It's been great. Yes. We do have some great guests lined up today. We have Dennis Wagner from BV, BVB Info. A lot of people refer to him as the uh, Wizard of Oz, the man behind the curtain. Gets all his information. Sometimes I feel like before the match is over, he has the final score up on his website, and he's not at the event. I'm at the event. Put it on Twitter. It's already up on his site before I'm there. He will tell you what the score in the loser's semi at a double A in Mesquite is. <laughs> and I don't even know how. He's omnipresent. I don't know that how is, he Seriously, it's, it's unbelievable. Some of the stats that are on his site, too, not just the up-to-date stats, but I'll look at, you know, this day in volley or something, and there's always, like, in 1967, you know, Nina Matthews won the Marine Street <laughs> Open by a score of 15 to 7. You're like, what? How... Do you even know that? Do you just make up that score? I don't think he does, but we'll find out. And I guarantee that your 17th place finish is on his his website. Where do you think I found it? Totally. Where yeah. do you think he found it? Awesome. You know, it, I called it in. <laughs> yes. I called it in. He had, he had me down as no career, and I said, I can tell you I got a 17th one. Yeah. Come on, pal. Yeah. It's sweet. We also have uh, the Avatar. Actually, I heard over the weekend he just prefers Avatar, not the Avatar, just okay. Avatar. Kind of yeah. like Facebook, the Facebook. Right. Yeah, it's just, yeah. we got to so clean it up. Ryan Doherty, all seven one of him will be calling in, maybe from the beach. Maybe you'll hear Casey Patterson in the background trying to bounce balls. Hunting you hear really loud. I'll hear a boomer exactly. yeah, yeah. And then Cynthia Barboza. Jeff, good pool by you. Got her on the show. Nicely done. Way to bring something to the table. Yeah, I'm trying. Yeah. First time. Yeah. So I'm happy to have you guys here. Yeah, it's good to be here. We've got some great guests and... Some good participation out there. Really excited. We had some big news in the beach world over the weekend, not just the release of the schedule, but the tournaments that were out there uh, in Hermosa. Saw both you guys. If if you were at the Hermosa Beach event and you saw, let's see, the, the women's final, the men's, were in the men's semis or the men's quarters? 
Jeff Alzina doing his 16-meter sprints from side to side, coaching box to coaching box. <laughs> hilarious. Bright red shirt. I don't know who did that to us. They put the uh, coaching boxes on the end line, so we had to sprint the entire length of the court before the players got to their What was that on court one behind the stadium? Yeah. Yeah. yeah before, I got a workout. There was a great match there, and before we get into some of the, you know, the, and the results, Diamond Italy, 17 seed, took a fifth. Yep. They have a third last week. Yep. The coach, I mean, basically, I mean, t- t- what what have they been doing? They've been training. Are they serious? I know we saw Steino and Lambo had a had a third or something at a men's masters, and I don't understand how there's <laughs> four thirty five year olds that are better than them. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. Santa Barbara CBVA Masters yeah. three weeks ago. They lost to John Bronstein. <laughs> Who let them in that tournament? By uh, the way, when you see their names, you're like, oh, that's a joke. That's funny. And then they show up Saturday morning. Yeah. And you're like, what just happened? Do you think they charge them an entry fee, or do they just let them <laughs> go right in? And and how about when you're the tournament director and you hand them their cooler and their T-shirt as a as the prize? <laughs> Here you go, Steino. Yeah, I know your name's on the fear, bro. <laughs> you're gonna be in the volleyball hall of fame. Yeah. Uh, here's your T-shirt. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, how have they been training? Have you been training with them, or is it just sort of a hey, we're gonna go out and play, and and Z, can you help us? With a couple of pointers and I don't know what Mark's been doing. Mark's down in San Diego. You know he's got a, a baby, new or... baby, uh, recently married with a new child, and he's got a sales job that he drives around a lot to. So he's in the car, maybe not off the couch, but off the uh, front seat of the car. All right. But Stein's been touching the ball a ton. He's down there. He's starting a, a little coaching gig on the beach and some indoor lessons as well. So he's actually touching the ball. But uh, they look awesome. They look they look like they could win at times during the tournament. Willie played, I think, entire game two and three with his sunglasses on his head. On his head. <laughs> I've never seen that before. That's the first time I've ever I've seen never that, seen On anyone. his head. That's just so, it's so Willie, though. Like, oh, I'm just going to put these on my head. And... I'm not going to wear them. I'm not going to put them up on my hat. I'm actually just going to set them on my hair. Yeah. <laughs> but and... the guy jumps five inches, and he's yeah. got the biggest whip that ever played in volleyball. So right. he doesn't and... really need to dive or jump around too much. And take angle and, and still give a roof down for game two in 22-20. They lost that match to... Ed and, and Ryan, didn't they? Ed and Ryan got him. Yeah. Yep. We had a chance in the second. We won the first game 24-22, and in the second, um, missed serves for 19 and for 20. Let those guys off the hook. Um, so I had to go three, and I think that's when the legs just started to give in a little bit. Lost about 10% of their legs. Yep. Lost some passing and setting. Maybe but, too much car time, not enough <laughs> beach time at this point. Yeah, Stein's got a little uh, baby girl, too. He does. I saw her running around there, the court. They've got uh, some other responsibilities to take care of besides their vertical. Yeah, so Ratledge and Mariano ended up losing in the semis in the final four, and that was the finals between Sean John and, and Keenan Mayer, the, the Pepperdine team. Sean John coming out on top once again domestically. Jeremy, you were there courtside, and also if you were listening on the webcast, I know Z got to sit in and do some play-by-play. What did you see? I know you've been to all the Cuervo Pro Beach Series events. I have. So far, and not a year so so far thus Far, I guess I should say, like last year for Sean John, is it? Uh, well, they won a year older. They won Florida, and then what was the next event? It was so long ago, Belmar. Belmar. That um, Sean had to pull out of late. Yeah, like last minute he pulled out. His back was hurt, and then last tournament, I only saw him on center a couple times in Chicago, and they just didn't look fluid. Sean didn't look like his back was bothering, but they just didn't look fluid. Their passes were a little erratic. Some of the sets were all over the place, so they just didn't look fluid. But then when I saw them this weekend, I saw more fire out of Sean a couple of times when he got some stuff blocks that I haven't seen in you know, maybe a couple of years, just not yelling at anybody in particular, just firing himself up. Now, they're 
in a, in a time when this game has definitely gone internationally, especially at the time of the year that we are, or the time of the four-year cycle that we are, they are a team that everyone knows has made a conscious effort to eschew the international travel and games and say, we're going to stay here and we're going to do our best domestically. And they have recently. I don't know if a lot of the turmoil in the domestic beach game, and I know we always get into that, so I'm sure we will at some point, but the varying tours and, and where they stand, maybe it's led to a little bit of a lack of, of focus from them. I don't know, just because there's not one tour. It's not There's not that next tour tournament that's always in your you know, in, in your mindset. You're not thinking, okay, well, we've got Manhattan in two weeks, or we've got Hermosa. I mean, I had to ask Jeremy yesterday, is this the only tournament in Hermosa? Right. I, didn't, I didn't know if there was, are, you know, there's battling tours or they're battling yeah. tournaments. I think this is the only Hermosa one. The, I feel like we have a pretty big layoff till Manhattan. There is a Milwaukee shootout um, that a few teams are invited to. I will not be at that. I will be doing the U.S. Open of Surf for IMG down in Huntington Beach. Wow, good for yeah. you, kid second year in a row it's a massive event so i feel like i have a little bit of a break between volleyball tournaments on the women's side though jeff alzina was courtside for the final with one of his one of his teams unfortunately on the losing side of the net whitney and jenny again fourth straight title on the cuervo they've won every site right yeah this year they are dominating and they like to go three in every single match apparently (laughs) always always Oh, but they usually lose the first set. That's man. true. When they won the first one, I was like, oh, is this the change? Does this mean they're going to lose the match because they won game one? That's not normally what they do. Yeah, I was a little frightened there, thinking if they could win the first one in fashion they did against Fatman and Sweat. They won 21-15 fairly convincingly. Yeah, a little smashing in game one. Yeah. Jeremy, do you feel you know responsible for that loss since you didn't have Call Me Maybe on your, on <laughs> yes. your as, as requested by Brooks Sweat? Uh, Jennifer Fotman Brooks Sweat tweeted me asking me if I could play Call Me Maybe during their warm-ups. My response was very nice, and I said no because I don't have it in my DJ laptop. And let uh, me clarify, I don't have it, period. Yeah. So Let's be honest. Yeah. Even if you did have it. That's not an accident. It's not think. in the DJ laptop. Just for that reason, when somebody requested I'm like, so I don't have it, I can't play it. That's um, your own. So it could have right? been my fault that they lost. Or it could have been just the two inches that Brooke missed her serve. Jen. I mean, it wasn't Brooke that went back to swing at it? Fatma missed her serve, oh, leading 14-13, missed it by two inches. Oh, man. Uh, that wasn't the only play that we liked back. We had a few others we could have done, but, um, yeah, that the was fact, the one that people will talk about. The fact that Whitney laid off that serve, A, she would have sprayed it into the crowd anyways because I don't think she would have got there. But being able to pull off and not even, like, have it nick her at all whatsoever. Absolute laser beam. 50 miles an hour, one inch over the net, two inches out of bounds Serve on the sideline. Oh, man. I, yeah, I'm really surprised that she got out of the way somehow. Yeah. She didn't say, I better play this or I could lose by being aced. What were you telling the girls uh, during the match? Because like, the first game, they did kind of get beat down a little bit. Didn't look good. And the second game, they won 22-20, I yep. believe. Um, so they definitely fought back and you know fought hard. Obviously, they took it overtime in game three as well. Yeah. Well, the message has changed throughout. We started the match wanting to serve Jenny Krop. Yeah. We thought, you know, Jen Fatma, I think, is uh, at least a top three blocker on the tour, and we wanted to get her involved blocking a hitter early. But uh, we saw that maybe Whitney wasn't passing as, as good as normal, and she was getting kind of a high set in the wind, and so we had some early success on Whitney and stuck with it. But the girls were definitely a little first finals jitters. And so mainly I was just trying to get them to calm down, relax, embrace the underdog role, and realize that they're not the one seed trying to protect something. They just should be loose and fighting. So we started with that. Um, and after winning game two, it was just getting back to 
serving really tough and making sure that they used a lot of different offense. You know, Jenny and Whitney, I was really, really impressed by their defense. I mean, Crop's a huge blocker, but she makes really great choices, penetrates the net a ton. And then Whitney did the best job, I think, of anyone I saw a weekend outside of Brooke Sweat, holding. She just holds in the middle, lets you make your shot, and then releases yeah. it. Therefore, she touches almost everything, even when you side out. Um, so we just wanted to make sure that we were going to use a, a variety of sets and a variety of shots in that third set. It was it was a great final to be involved with, especially for my end too. I mean, I've seen obviously I'm in every finals every Sunday. Congratulations! Thank you. By the way, you yes. make you make I, the, you make Sunday every. I week. absolute dominate. Yeah. I'm in every single finals, men and women. I don't know why my name is not on the pier yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can talk to BVB info when uh, when Dennis calls in, <laughs> That's or we can true. we can maybe get my stats up. Yeah, there. get some stats. Was that Brooks' first final? I know Jen played in Manhattan with uh, Tracy. Tracy Lindquist. Yeah. Last was year. That, yeah. Was that? Brooks first, I think it was her first final. That was her first like major open title. If you want to count the Corona light, she won in Hermosa last year. Oh, really? She won the Corona last year. Okay. Um, so she had some experience there. Are you doing a lot of tactical coaching? I mean, is it in game? I always wonder when you guys are talking in between plays and hopefully, you know, this isn't just a question that I wonder, but a lot of the other people out there as well. What are you talking about? Because clearly it's not like, you know, as much as indoor where you're talking to your setter and saying, okay, we're going to get a good pass here. We're going to run this play or or maybe it is. Uh, are you talking tactically? Or are you talking like you said, hey, we're not the top seed. We're not the ones trying to, to, to protect something. The, the pressure's all on them. We're, which way do you go on that? Well, the, the, the easy answer is just that it varies all the time. And it totally depends on not only just the situation going on in the court, but the, um, the amount of time you get in a timeout. Yeah. Because sometimes your timeouts end up being about 40 seconds. Um, and if I have to run 100 yards across the box, like <laughs> court one, it's a little less than that. But in the finals, typically um, when we do some TV stuff, you get like a two or three minute timeout. Um, the longer answer, to be honest, is after about my fourth or fifth year, actually when I went to the Olympic Games in 2004, I realized, in my opinion, how much of a mental game beach volleyball is when you act, when you reach the top. Yeah. When you're playing in finals regularly, like some of my teams have, um, the difference in skill between the four players on the court is only separated by maybe 1% of talent. Uh, and so it really comes down to just who's making the right choices, who believes in themselves the most, you know, who's going to make the conservative choice or the aggressive choice at the right time. So I went ahead and enrolled in uh, Long Beach State and got a, a master's degree in sports psychology because I wanted to learn a lot more about just coaching and motor learning and um, how to get people to process something really quickly from the mental side. But um, <clears throat> so it changes a lot. You know, like I said, for a while it was going to be tactical to start the match. But after that, you got to make sure your, your team is just basically loose and in the right mindset. You know, I, I think you can oh, have definitely. the greatest plays in the world. You can run all the best plays in the world. But if you're not confident in what you're doing, if you're not loose and you don't kind of understand your role, um, you really won't execute when it matters. Yeah, so. On the mindset front and, and sort of transitioning to the international game, there was a big, uh, you know, there's a big international, there's a Grand Slam event this, this weekend in Austria. Best event in the world. Really? Better than Stad? Oh, by a lot. Really? Yeah. I haven't been to any of them. In Klagenfurt, Austria is without any doubt the greatest event in beach volleyball in the world. Well, in, in Klagenfurt, in the, in the men's side, we had the two top American teams going to the to the Olympics, but they were in the final four, both lost their semifinals. And actually there was a, you know, head to head for the bronze medal. Phil and Todd ended up 
pulling out of that and, and forfeiting. But before we get to that, speaking of the mindset thing, you've worked with, with Rosie and Gibb in the past. And mm-hmm. what do you think about the playoff mode that they've been in? I know that Geeter and, and Barney and, and J-Row have talked about it. The fact that they've been you know, in playoff mode, much like Fanoy and, and Dane were back in 2000, much like if you look at the NFL, I feel like every season there's a team that goes 12-0 and 0 or 10-0 and 0 or whatever, and then all the talking heads start th- saying, okay, are they going undefeated or are you going to start sitting your starters? And it seems like they always sit their starters, and the teams that win are the Giants who come through who have been, you know, trying to get a playoff spot all year, much like Jake and Rosie have been playing for a spot in London. Now all of a sudden they're making Final Fours or winning tournaments they weren't doing years ago. Do you see that? I mean, are they favorites going in just because of the the mindset? Is that it? I honestly think, I mean, I'm biased because I did work. I've worked with Jake for two seasons. I worked with Jake and Sean full-time in 2010. But I don't see how you can't say that they're a favorite right now because it is about who's hot going into the games. There's been that argument forever uh, amongst the qualification issues going into these games. We've had teams who who are the number one so-called team going into the games who – don't play really well a year later. You know, uh, teams like, let's see, well, Kevin Wong and Rob Heiser were clearly right. our number one. They were our Todd and Phil, the number one team ahead of Dane and Eric. Uh, but they qualified early and played really well the season before the Olympics, ended up taking a fifth. Jeff Nygaard, Dane Blanton, 2004, they won events in 2003, qualified early, but just didn't have it going in. And so all the talking heads were like, oh, we should be able to take Karch and Lambo. They're right. the hottest team in America right now. So I, I have no no doubt that Jake and Sean should be considered a favorite right now, especially the fact that they are coming off of last season, which was probably probably their worst ever. They had no coach whatsoever. They had no funding, no domestic uh, cash from a tour here uh, in a big sense, so they had to stay on that world tour. Um, but they had 25th, they had 17th. Now you go to three Grand Slam finals in a row, winning two of them and smashing wow. the number one team in the world, 21-12, 21-13, uh, Allison and Emmanuel. So, yeah, they are. They've won events. They've they've beat everybody on that tour, and they've won events going in. You said kind of riding it the way um, Eric and Dane did, but they hadn't won an event. Period. Sure. They got hot in the Olympic Games, but um, that stats crazy me that they hadn't won at all until the Olympics. Yeah, they hadn't won. It's crazy. They and... hadn't won, but they just needed that last event, and uh, they got it and qualified late. But Jake and Sean look really, really good. Uh, had they started this peak? six to eight months ago or the end of last season, I don't know if it'd be the same, but they are right where they need to be. They've got to have a ton of belief in themselves and still riding momentum. And this being their you know, second trip to the games, I imagine there's a lot of the, you know, you're a little more relaxed. You're not as looking at the shiny lights and, oh my, you know, where are we? What's going on? It's a little more, okay, we've been here. Let's, it's another tournament. We've been in grand slam finals. Now we've won grand slam events. Let's just do our thing. And, uh, Hopefully, they do. The question for the other American team and the top team in the world is what's what's up with Phil's ankle? I didn't really see a whole lot of pub about it. I just read, yeah, you know, forfeited ankle. Any thoughts by either of you? My thought is that's not good. I mean, depends on how bad it was. I heard that there was maybe some weather over there. So, you know, if he tweaked it just a little bit, maybe the best thing for them to do is forfeit and we'll, you know, well, heal up until the Olympics. And I'm going to go conspiracy theory, too, and say uh, they they sort of sat out before when uh, Ferbs and Lucina were battling with Rosie and Gibb because they didn't want to affect the American 
uh, draw, if you will. Is there any, you know, gamesmanship like, hey, we don't want to, we don't want to give our own, I mean, we don't want to battle. Like show your cards. Exactly. Right exactly. Uh, you know, there's just so much speculation when things like this. Because they're both already in, and that's what it's about, right? I mean, you're already you're playing for third or fourth. Eh? I'd rather play for gold or silver. Right. Uh, in the old days, like 10 years ago on that tour, the difference in that match financially was only like $500. So people would throw that match and forfeit it all the time. Um, but they've upped it, so there's a significant difference uh, in meddling. And obviously, you want to represent your country on the podium, see your flag go up um, during the uh, award ceremonies. But there's a lot of speculation on Todd and Phil. Little, I think this weekend I heard four different stories. <laughs> Phil, I heard Phil's arm, Phil's ankle, Todd's back, and someone's knee. Yeah. Sweet. So I don't know. I mean, they set out some events. So obviously one or both of them weren't feeling great a couple of months ago and needed to take some time off. It's probably the best idea for them as long as uh, they've got the end goal of being healthy going into the games. Right. That's that's best for everyone, right? Whether you're a you know, Jake and Rosie fan or, or FOD fan. FOD. FOD. Um, <laughs> you know, we all want to see a good American showing. So, you know, good luck to them. Of course, as I said, that was the, the semifinals. The Dutch actually – won that tournament over uh, over Marcio and Pedro Salgado. Pedro, if you recall, last year at Hermosa made a little bit of uh, news when he played with Casey coming off the FIVB, and they ended up winning that tournament. But uh, the FIVB women, I saw some stuff, but no Americans in that tournament in terms of the the last latter stages. Didn't get in the latter stages. Yeah, so I, I don't know. Carey took it off. Jen and April took it off. Right. Um, but we had some other teams there. We had a young team there trying to get some points and earn some stripes, so that was good. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited uh, to see the future, you know, what comes next, right? You got Whitney and Jenny making a huge, huge push on the domestic tour, and and I imagine they got to be thinking Rio 2016. I don't know about age and where that, that number ends up, but, you know, some of the, the younger girls and guys, it was good to see them out in Hermosa because I hadn't gotten a chance with, the tournaments being all over and, and splintered a little bit. I wasn't sure who was going to be where, but, you know, Day and Hughes on the women's side seem to be a younger team making some noise. Z, do you see, who do you see on the men's side or on the women's side as somebody that you think in four years could be, could be the team or could be a team? Well, I want to uh, kind of step back from that question for a second and, and preface it by saying that Dave Williams and USA Volleyball did a great thing this year. Uh, they decided to invest in our next Olympiad potential players. Right. Um, the players who have never really, the ones that have fallen in between. You know, we've we've kind of funded the youth and we've funded the uh, the tours, the tours as well as the tour winners. Right. You know, the top top elite players. So we found six, uh, well, let's say ten to twelve individual players for men and ten to twelve individual players for women. Uh, who we decided to start an elite development uh, program with, thanks to Dave Williams and USA Volleyball. Jeff Conover, who is uh, Kessian Ross's coach, mm -hmm. uh, and myself have been running it uh, since April 1st. Um, so I can't, I don't know if I can rattle all the names off the top of my head, but we've got some great, great talent in there from both sides. I think on the women's side, we have, we have Fatma Sweat, Hughes and Day, Crystal Angle and Teal Hunkus, uh, Michelle Moriarty, Caitlin Sather, Tracy Weimer, um, I know I'm forgetting people. Diane Copenhagen, Jess Geisen, Morgan Beck. Um, recently, we added Cynthia. You know, when Cynthia uh, wasn't on the the top 12 players for London, uh, I just 
reached out to her and asked her if she'd be interested in looking at some beach options and what we're doing. And uh, she's been out there every day with us since. Um, Alex Kleinman's going to come join us again actually wow. today as well. Um, and on the men's side, we have uh, Jesse Rambus, Will Montgomery, Jeff Carlson. The guy who's really stood out to me is Tri Bourne. As someone who's just starting Beach Out, yeah. he was a middle blocker at USC, your Trojans. Yeah. And uh, one yeah. of the smartest guys on the court I've ever met. Someone who's so hungry to learn and get better fast. How old is he? I think Tri is 23. 23, yeah. He, I, I know that he, and that doesn't surprise me that you say he, he's one of the smartest guys, because I think he played just about every position. He, yeah. he, he started as a middle. He played some outside. He played some opposite. He just, one of those guys that you, you go to the gym and you're like, what's he doing over there? Oh, okay, he's. Oh, he's crushing balls from the right now. All right. Right. He has a, an athletic IQ that reminds me a lot of Sean Rosenthal, where um, it's, it, he loves to talk about how to get better and what to see and how you read and, and kinesiological issues. And he, he just loves seeing how to be better as an athlete in, in any case. I also uh, cannot forget Avery Drost, who just took a second place. Right. Unbelievable career finish for Avery, playing with uh, Ty Tramley, who I think is a great, perfect fit partner for him. Both of those guys um, – just give their heart on every single play. Yeah, they're throughout the entire tournament, yeah. throughout every practice. Uh, Joey Dutra, Andy McGuire. Um, sorry, guys, if I'm forgetting any of you, but those are some of the people that that we're investing in right now to see if they could possibly be a, a 2016 candidate or certainly a 2020 candidate. Uh, a whole nother can of worms, which I'll open and then shut real quick. <laughs> <laughs> For years and years on that FIVB tour, the average age was about 32 of main draw players. And through youth programming in Europe, I'd say the European average age for main draw players is closer to about 26 right now. Wow. And that's not just, you know, a year or two difference. This is someone who's going to play for half a decade longer uh, than our players unless we make some current changes. Yeah, well, you know, we also had some good, some big news in the scheduling this weekend. If you hadn't seen it, check out the USA Volleyball site uh, for the, the pools, and I'm sure we'll... Get to that a little later. Right now, though, take a little break. A little break. And we'll come back in with our guest. We're going to have our first guest, Dennis Wagner the, from BVBinfo.com, which I'm sure if you're on the message board and you know how to use Blog Talk Radio then, and Volleyball Magazine, then you definitely know how to use BVBinfo.com. Right. The wizard. All right. We'll be right back. You don't have to find the best college coaches. They find you at Spire Institute. Spire's postgraduate volleyball academy wants athletes. Spire delivers customized volleyball training and competition led by head coach John Hawks, athletic development with Michael Johnson performance, and educational options all in Olympic-grade facilities. There is no better way to impress college coaches and increase scholarship opportunities. Spire Institute postgraduate men's and women's programs in multiple sports. It's not taking a year off. It's adding a year to your future. Sign up today at SpireInstitute.org.
to the net live. Rootsy. Yeah. Soul Shakedown over here. From Volleyball Magazine. Volleyballmag.com yeah. is their official website. Yeah, we're the net live, but we're in the back row today. Yeah, so we are in the back row. I'm going to change the intro for next week because it's all about me. Yeah. DJ Roche. Yes. The but coach, we have, yeah. Jeff Alzina, myself, Dusty Gringo, or Dustin Avall. What do you? Whatever you want. I don't know what you prefer. It's not like I have a stage name or something. That is your stage name. You can. Yeah. <laughs> we have our. Two liberos and a setter. That's right. Yeah. I don't know which one I am, but okay. Well, we'll talk about Jeff when we played a game of Ace, and I was dominating, and then he went away from me to Logan Tom. I don't know why you would do that. Why would I ever switch it up? Anyways, we have our first guest. Dustin, you ready to intro him? Yeah, this guy right here is the founder and owner of DVBinfo.com. I mentioned earlier, if you have ever wanted to find anything about beach volleyball. And you mean anything. Ever. If you wanted to know who won the 1961 Parks and Rec Corona Open, it was Ron Lang and G. Selznick in 1961. <laughs> and the reason I know that is because of Dennis Wagner. Dennis, the founder, owner, developer, DBA, IT guy, caterer, HR department, and the president and operator of BBBinfo.com joining us in the back row. Look, wow. <laughs> Best intro you've ever gotten, huh, Dennis? No, I can't even remember getting an intro before, but that one was great. Well, I, uh, maybe I can give that to you later in an email or something. You can put it on your own site to describe <laughs> yourself. As far as I'm concerned. Hey, that sounds great. First of all, Dennis, this is Justin. I want to say thank you. All the Beach Volleyball fans. Dennis. Nope, he's gone. Maybe he misheard us. Well, he'll call back. Yeah, he just liked the intro, and then he was like, <laughs> he's oh, like <laughs> "Thanks for the intro." I'm, I'm done. Appreciate it. Sounds like everybody else lost their uh, audio too. This is great radio. Yeah. Brought to you by VolleyballMagazine.com. Where's Dennis? Where's Dennis from? Where's he hailing from? I don't know. He's got bad service. I think he's from somewhere way out in the Midwest, right? Is that right? Yeah. He goes somewhat in the sticks, like Montana, Wyoming. Yeah, they lost us too, huh? All right, he's back. Dennis, you there? Hold on. i got to unmute him. Can you unmute us too? Yeah. Last time this happened was when Casey Patterson called in and he said boom and all of a sudden we just said exploded. <laughs> so let's let's try Dennis again. Yeah, I'm here. I lost the audio. Sorry about that. Yeah, we lost audio too. <laughs> Batch, where'd you lose me? Where'd you lose me, Dennis? Uh you started your question and then that was it. Perfect. Wait. Just uh hey just to to shorten it up, how long have you been doing BVBinfo.com? Because a lot of the people here on, on the show and out there listening, use it all the time. So h- how long have you been doing it? I started in 1999 with that site. And I actually did like an AVP rankings uh, a couple of years before that. And uh, what, what got you started? Why did you? 
Well, I've always I've always been one of those guys that uh, you know like doing his own rankings, and I found a, a 1997 AVP yearbook where they had the rankings formula, and I could get the results. So I started doing that, and then I started thinking, you know, it'd be cool to see who won, you know, all these events last year, and it just kind of grew from there. Can we go back even farther? Like, were you just a volleyball fan? Did you ever play volleyball? Did you always like watching volleyball? Oh yeah, I uh, I guess the '84 Olympics were the big thing with me, uh, you know, watching the gold medal. Uh, I was second year in college, so I had the summer off, could sit around and watch the Olympics all the time. And then uh, I think it was prime ticket around midnight on Tuesday nights. I could catch the beach volleyball telecast and just fell in love with the sport. Yeah, where where are you located, Dennis? Are you? I know that uh, it's so much information on so many events from around the world that we we if you are flying back and forth between every event, or do you have people out there? How do you get your information, and where are you located? I'm in the, the Virginia Beach, Virginia area, and uh, yes, it's very tough to find anything here. You go to the library, and there are no magazines. You know, the volleyball's not in the, the newsstands. Uh, I have a lot of help. Um, I have a little app that uh, the AVP used to run on site. They could put the scores in. And then uh, I have a good friend, Tim Simmons, who was the media delegate for the FIVB. So he would enter all the scores there. And I still have uh, help from him and help from uh, Dominic Clark, who also does that work. Well, we really appreciate it. I'm looking at the site right now. People. Yeah, the whole when you were born thing I think makes makes it information website because you learn about the players themselves when they were born what what they yeah, tours played on and it's kind of just an extra way to to reach out and say happy birthday to somebody you haven't seen in a long time. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I'm I'm trying to do more with social media. You'll see that sometimes I'll tweet happy birthday to people and. Uh, I have a big list that has everybody that I know of, their Twitter account. So it kind of makes it possible to send a happy birthday that way, too. I know that I've used your site a lot for, for reference. You know, I, you know, doing all the coaching that I do, I like to find out matchups and show it. Yeah, it's, it's Yeah, I lost the audio again, so I don't know whether you're there or not. Not me. The blog talk radio is not us. Technical guy who's a database. I know. Right here, isn't it? Yeah, did you ask a question about the ages? Are you still on? Or oh yeah, can you hear us, Dennis? Yeah, I hear you again. Okay, I was just wondering. I I saw that you took the uh, the exact ages off of your uh, birthdays a few months back. Was that intentional? Because it came right back. Yeah, I had. 
you got a lot of players who are models and they're trying to get jobs and they don't want people to know their their age. And then you have a lot of people who are worried about uh, identity theft. So they were like, can you take my birthday off? So I took it off and then I had a lot of complaints in the other direction. And I said, okay, anybody that complains, I'll just put their month and day. Everybody, everybody else, you know, I'll show what I've got. A case by case basis for ten million volleyball players. Yeah. Pretty- <laughs> how much? How much time does that take to maintain the site to keep this information going? Is this a twenty-four by seven job? Uh, my wife would say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it depends. Um, in some of these busy weeks where you know there's two FIVB events, two European events, a couple of. Uh, domestic events, I might spend a couple hours a day, you know, doing news articles, uh, putting in scores if I have to. Um, during the off-season, I try to rest and not do anything because the season just wears me out. Yeah, what do you think out there? I mean, like you said, you've been following it and I lost the audio on that again. What do you think about the beach tours domestically? Is there one that you follow more than the other ones? Well, uh, I have a good allegiance with USA Volleyball, so of course uh, the Pro Beach Series. uh, But uh, I go to the NVL events in Baltimore, and I enjoy those. I haven't been to uh, the wide open, and I'm not sure they're going to do a whole lot if they don't find some sponsorship. Uh, of course, I love the ADP, and, and I'm glad to see them making a comeback. I, I kind of wish there was some way they could all work together. Yeah, they had some good Virginia Beach events back in the day, didn't they? I'm sure you... Yeah, we had issues with rain. It seemed like every time they would come here, uh, <laughs> we would have rain. Our good buddy Colin Smith and Aaron Boss won that event in 2001. <laughs> yeah, yeah, playing in the uh, – it was such a miserable day. And, and what was funny was everybody that I was working with went inside the hotel, and I had a, a little bag, and I was actually out there in the tent doing the live scoring on the website while everybody else was inside because it was raining so bad. That's awesome. They, we always joke about it. They were saying, you know, there's – few thousand people there on Saturday, but on Sunday when that rain hit, they, you know, they got Colin Smith's well, first and only win yeah. ever, and he said there was about 100 people out there pouring rain. Yeah, and it was very cold, too. I mean, you'd think in the middle of summer, it, it probably went down in the, the 50s that day, and, and besides being, you know, wet, it was also cold. Yeah, Dennis, speaking of wet and cold, are you going to London? Yeah, I leave uh, Thursday night. This is my first Olympics, even after doing this all this time. And in what capacity will you be operating out there? I'll be working with the FIVB. Um, I think I'm, what I'm going to be doing is proofly reading a lot of their stories, uh, doing like their slideshow on the Internet, um, things like that. Will you actually be putting things together on your site or another site? Uh, mostly for the FIVB site. Of course, I'll be doing stuff on my site, too. And they don't mind that, right? Uh, no, they don't mind that because uh, a lot of the information that they use for their match notes, I've got to keep everything updated so that it generates 
so that uh, their media delegates can use it. I briefly met you out in Rome, 2010. I have to remember meeting me. I met so many people there that uh, I'm, <laughs> I don't remember everybody. Players. But um, uh, was that the only FIVB event you've been to? Will this be a big deal going to the Olympic Games? I went to um, I went to the World Championships in Berlin 2005, Stavanger 2009, and then the two Rome events in 2010, and then the World Championships in 2011. But this is my first Olympics. It's as crazy as the World Championships are. I've heard that this is even a lot more chaotic. Now, uh, you know, you run a pretty neutral site. You know, you just report the information, but uh, are you allowed to divulge if you have any favorites? Who do you want to uh, see do well out there from our country or others? Well, you know, I've been, well, I can't really say good friends. I've been friends, I guess, with with Jerry for quite a while. I mean, she used to, when we would go to Belmar and you had to ride the bus from uh, Tenton Falls in, she would talk to my kids, and I kind of, you know, built a relationship up through that. And, uh, you know, of course, Misty and Gary, I'd love to see them win one more time. And uh, I first met Phil and Todd in at the World Championships in 2005, first time they played together, and talked to them quite a bit. So, of course, I'd like to see them win. Nothing against, uh, you know, Jen and April or, or Sean and, and, and uh, Jake. I'd love to see them win, too. But, uh, you know, there can only be one gold medalist. Right. Well, we appreciate the service that you provide out there. Not only we, but a lot of people that follow your site and get the information from there. So thanks very much for your time today, Dennis Wagner. Every you're not using. All right. Thank you. I lost the audio again. Thanks a lot, Dennis. You're awesome. All right. Thank you. You cutting me off? No, I didn't. I didn't do a thing. It's not. Uh, I'm telling you, it's Barnett from London with some weird app on his phone, just trying to make me look bad. Him and Geeter sabotaging from afar, totally. crushing me. Totally, That's such a surprise. Here's a good thing, though. If people download the podcast, they'll be able to hear our dialogue. Oh, behind the scenes. Behind the scenes, when we're laughing at each other, like how come nobody can hear us? And yeah. Barnett's kicking us off the radio. Are they hearing us now? Or? Oh, they're totally hearing us. Absolutely. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully, there's a few of you still out there. Please feel free to sign in on the chat room. Give us a random live text. Tell us how we're doing. Get us involved. If you can hear us. Let us know what you want to hear. It was last time that we had this issue was when Casey Patterson was on. And he literally, I remember that. He said the word boom, and then all of a sudden it boomed. It was off. Yeah, it was gone. We couldn't get back on. Barnett and I did the rest of the show straight to podcast. It's good times. Yeah. That's, you know, Dennis is an interesting guy to be able to do all this stuff. And I thought it was it was it was uh you know it really struck me that he said he started to get into volleyball at the after the gold in eighty four. How many people from our generation and surrounding generations? Yeah, it's a, such a seminal moment totally. in the sport and you start to think what's that next moment? Could it be, you know, London where we have four teams on the beach that are really competitors and have won consistently uh or at least throughout the last year or two, and get a new generation or or a bunch of new followers at a time where beach volleyball really needs supporters and and the sport. Well, hopefully we got their attention in 08 too, getting the, right. the two beach golds as well as the indoor gold from the men. Yeah, and and this year I know as Barney has been saying, the women uh, really favorites uh, the the Pan American Cup. If 
if you're not following the USA Volleyball too closely, I'll try to do a little bit of uh, what Barnett would, would follow, which is that the, they won the gold at the Pan American Cup, which was huge. Heard they actually played most, if not all, of the bench. Really? And won that as well. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, we are as stacked as we've ever been on the women's uh, indoor national team side and stacked with great coaching talent. Yeah, rumor is that if we were allowed to send two indoor women's teams, that both would be medal favorites. I believe they would. It's awesome. Talk about a tough job for Hugh. The toughest job is probably having to make the cuts. There's so many talented players for him to choose from right now. As a coach, would you rather have that issue, having too many players to choose from? I'd always rather have that issue. Okay. It's a nice problem to have, right? <laughs> oh, who do I take? Everybody's really good. What do I do? Yeah. At that point, it's got to be the team, like who plays best together, who the camaraderie between the players. Sometimes it's a chemistry thing, but a lot of times it's just like a, a position thing too. You know, some teams want to take two liberos and some say, no, nah, we're going to stick with our libero no matter what. And if we have four outsides, one of the outsides can always step in as libero yeah. Yeah, or just play as a DS. So a lot of times it's just position and potential injury issues. Well, one thing's for sure is that American volleyball in London is going to be hot. I know that I've seen, you know, a lot of the previews just on the on the standard sports stations or or media fronts, whether it's a magazine or anything, showing volleyball very front and center. Uh, Jen and April got a silver, I think, when they played back at the at the London Test event, and there's a lot of photography and and hype around that. So good times are going to be had, and and we're all really excited. Good that Barnett's there, so that he's not here, and we can do the show. Well, last week, uh, Barnett, Geeter, and I gave our predictions on beach and indoor. So before the show's over, we will get your guys' predictions as well. Wow, I don't, I don't know that I know enough. I don't know enough. Team. I don't know enough either. No, no, like medals for the U.S. Oh, okay. you don't need to talk. I don't about, have to talk about. No, that. I don't worry about the other teams. Okay. I know nothing about anybody else. <laughs> yeah, like which Brazilian team is going to win the bronze and what? Yes, yeah. exactly. I can't even pronounce their names when I look at their names on the computer. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, it's all good. You guys having fun so far today? That's yeah, it's great. I mean, except for the issues that Barnett and Gear are calling in from across the pond, it's fantastic. Hope as long as uh, Garthoff's listening to us and the other guys out there. People take some shots at Barnett on the chat board too about uh, he's gone and there's no moto talk, no flag football. Yeah, feel no, free to take any shots at no title Barnett nine talk. <laughs> I will bring up something that's a little bit you know larger than volleyball, and I think it's probably a good time to do so, and that's the Penn State. Yep. situation, I'll say, and I definitely don't want to get into it, and I'm probably not qualified to, but the NCAA handed down allegations, or not the allegations, the punishments um, today, um, obviously largely around the football program. However, I will put a volleyball spin on it, and Penn State is, um, in my mind, at least on the men's side, the top team in, in the East, uh, definitely, and we know that their women's team collegiately has had some great success, and I wonder how that affects the the volleyball programs. I mean, there's definitely... Well, they're handed a death sentence, right? Well... Four-year ban, $60 million fine, yeah. and 12-year vacated wins for the football team. I believe that's that's the stats. To so answer, would that $60 uh, million come out of the entire athletic department? Yes, yes. So that and, could have trickle-down effect to the other sports. Right. And to answer, Corey, I think the $60 million goes into a an endowment for uh, uh, victims of... Uh, Child abuse, Good. sexual child abuse. So it's, it's you know, the NCAA is obviously working in a capacity that they don't have experience. This isn't like you could look back and, oh, this situation happened previously. But 
again, I was trying to put a little bit of a volleyball spin yeah. on it. And, um, you know, Mark Pavlik's program on the, on the men's side, they've won like every uh, conference championship in the last 15 years or something. So basically if you're a, a, a guy growing up playing volleyball and you want to go to Penn state, you're guaranteed to go to four final fours on average. Right. And so I wonder if this affects those sports, even though not, it's not directly, I wonder how that affects recruiting and how the, those items and, and, and if it affects other schools in the area too. I think it might right away. I mean, if you now, if anybody says the word Penn State, you immediately think about immediately. this controversy. Yeah. Regardless of what sport, or even if you're going there just to go to school, yeah. much really less sports. Stain on the, on their name For right sure. Now. Absolutely. I mean, Matt Anderson, right? One of our Olympians, 2008 Player of the Year. Outside hitter on the current team. Yeah, outstanding Penn State alum. And I, I, I don't know him personally. I wonder how it affects well, Jay, yeah, his psyche. Jay Hasek's going to be on the show next week. Uh, works at Penn State, so we'll get some uh, some info from him or whatever he can talk about. That'll but I'm great. sure he's going to have an opinion on it. Yeah, absolutely. As, he, as well, he should. Yeah, it's just you know something that sometimes we feel like volleyball is in this little bubble, and there's not a whole lot of other people outside that affect it, and we don't really affect some of the things that are out there. But this, um, you know, just this the tragedy tragedies at, at Penn State are are so far-reaching that it's just it's terrible. And Well, hopefully people uh, can learn some lessons from this. And I just think from a coaching standpoint, one of the, the lessons you need to learn here is, although I have great uh, reverence for some of the legendary coaches in all sports uh, in American history, certain people like uh, Marv Dumphy, John mm-hmm. Wooden, um, you just have to understand that although they can be seemingly greater than human in so many ways and the fact that they're entrusted to raise and instill values and life lessons to you know future generations no matter how great they are and how successful they are they're still just human beings and we can't elevate them beyond you know just a human being you know and when when something like the reputation of the football team or the success of the football team or the brand name of the school becomes more important than other human issues yeah something's really really wrong you know, and I know that most of these coaches would not want to be held in such uh, high regard, like beyond human regard. So, I don't know. I think people just need to keep perspective on sports and on uh, and on legendary coaches. Well, especially in college too, they're referred to as student athletes. Right. Student comes first. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, sports. I mean, the football program at Penn State has to make that school the most money, right? Yeah. Sure. I mean. Oh yeah, by far. So you have that factor into it as well. You are in the back row on the net live right now. You are. DJ Ruscha. Getting dug by three great back row players. <laughs> Jeff Alzina, Dustin Aval here. Talked to Dennis Wagner earlier. We've got a couple of guests coming up. Who's coming up, Jeff? We have Avatar coming up here in a few moments. Making a big a big splash on the beach scene. Uh, I haven't seen him play live. I mean what Z as a coach, what do you what do you see out of him? I saw him for a few moments last year in a couple events, but I didn't, you know, people didn't necessarily take him seriously. It didn't look like he was really like AVP material yet. He was playing some triple A's and he was making certain plays that a seven foot one guy is going to make, but that's all you could really see. I did notice, however, last year that he had to run down a few balls to set. And I noticed what great footwork the guy had, you know, I, uh, it's pretty amazing how well he moves his feet quick and balanced, keeps his feet underneath him. Um, we invited him into the Elite Development USA program this year, and he joined us for about two to three months or so. Then he had some car issues and some work issues. He hasn't come lately, but um, 
he was great. He was really great there. You know, he's a former AAA uh, baseball player, was in those uh, ranks for, for years. He was a pitcher. Um, so he's got a kind of an interesting arm. He actually takes it slightly low. He keeps his elbow low and throws it around the side. Interesting. You know? okay. A healthy way to throw the ball. And if you're 7-1, you don't really have to worry about reaching as high as you can to hit. Right. But um, I watched them in Belmar. Uh, exclusively. I watched two full matches of them in Belmore, and I was really, really impressed with his improvement from what I saw last year. His ability to actually take his arms from straight up and down over the net and drop them out in front of him, keep them wide and press the way Phil does, and uh, and continually make simple moves. I think big, big blockers need to understand just to be simple. You don't and, need to wave around and chase the ball. And here's the thing about Ryan, too, and I think he would say this. He doesn't know how to play volleyball yet, if that makes sense. He doesn't know the game. You know, obviously he's athletic, bumps that spike, fine. But he doesn't know the game yet. I've seen him probably maybe three or four times this year on stadium court. And I've seen him get better each tournament. I didn't see them this weekend. They weren't on stadium this weekend. They took a ninth, which obviously was disappointing to them, not where they want to finish. But he's going he's gonna to be all over the map. They're going to win some. They're going to take ninths, just the inconsistencies. But this is one of those people next year, who knows, if he stays with it. Yeah, he's got a lot of passion. I can tell you that. He's really, really passionate about being the best at what he does. And um, he's young. He's 28 years old, I, I believe. They're 28. They won in Baltimore at that Preakness event, the NBL. They won that event. Against Phil and Todd. Against Phil and Todd. They won that event in Bel- Belmar, and they won in Chicago, and then they've taken a couple of ninths, which you said, Jeremy, probably not unexpected. I mean, sometimes I like to look at the seeding and see where they were predicted, if you will, to finish. They, they were a nine seed, so it's not – a complete upset or anything like Correct. that. They've, they've done, they've made great strides and they're just not quite consistent yet because it's a newer partnership and because he's newer to the game, like you said. I, I Sorry, I have to disagree. I would call them very consistent. I mean, to win three events, bang, 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 is unbelievable. They, I talked to Ryan. I you know, make sure I check in with him after every event because mm-hmm. I've trained him a little bit and just to congratulate him and tell him I've seen his growth and things like that. But I said, prepare yourself for Hermosa. It's going to be very, very different. And I didn't hear back from him, but I, I'm going to say that I kind of called it. I didn't think they'd win this event because the events they have won have all been extremely hard-packed surfaces. Baltimore, Jersey was hard-packed. Chicago, Chicago was rained out and hard-packed. Yep. This is a totally different sport, to be honest, is playing in the wind with some super, super deep sand. Players knew that they could move him around as a blocker and probably uh, – That's interesting. Know. Well, he's in the queue, so we're going to hear from him about that momentarily. We're going to take a quick break. Love it. And by quick, I mean like 49 seconds. 49. And then Ryan's in because he's at the beach training today, and I don't want to take too much away from his training. That's right. We shall return. Volleyball Mag, the industry's number one volleyball magazine. Volleyball Magazine has been serving the volleyball community for over 20 years with the latest in volleyball news and information, product reviews, athlete profiles, fitness, health, and travel-related features. It's published nine times a year. Volleyball Magazine brings you the inside to the access to sports' biggest stars. Whether you're interested in junior, collegiate, or professional level, sand or indoor, Volleyball Magazine has you covered both on and off the court. Visit us now. Do it. www.volleyballmag.com and subscribe for one year for only $19.99. Do that now and receive a new water bottle, a $49 value, free compliments of our friends at Naturally Energized Water Bottle Company. Volleyball Mag, the industry's number one volleyball mag. Wow. Coming in from Orange County on the beach right now, training in Huntington. 
with his partner, Casey Patterson. He's a three-time winner this season, the NBL in Baltimore, Cuervo, Belmar, and Chicago. He's a pitcher where he cheered, cheered for old Notre Dame, and I think he was a triple-A starter, the Diamondback organization. He's Avatar, 7 feet, 14 inches, Ryan Doherty. Ryan, welcome. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me. That was a gargle. Are we going to have audio issues all day today? I'm going to be really upset. How are you, Ryan? Hello? Can you, hello, can you hear me? Absolutely. Okay, perfect. How's Huntington today? Uh, Huntington is real, real nice. Uh, I'm actually up at the local Jamba Juice right now getting away from Casey's Boombox because otherwise I'd never be able to hear you guys. Is Casey's <laughs> Boombox actually his radio or is that what you call his voice? Uh, <laughs> he's now got a radio the size of a small suitcase that he wheels down to the beach every morning because the uh, regular bows just didn't have enough room for him. That sounds about right. Yeah, so I get to carry the balls, lines, and any volleyball equipment, and he carries the stereo. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so, Avatar, tell me a little bit about the nick- the nickname. Where did it come from? How long you had it? Was it a baseball thing or just when you came out to the beach? No, no, it's uh, new to beach volleyball. Uh, basically, when I came out to Huntington, uh, I came out without knowing a whole lot of people. So I used to just come down to the beach every day, like everybody trains south side, you know, in the mornings. Uh, and I would just hang out, you know, see if anybody needed an extra guy. If they didn't, I would just kind of, you know, serve on the net by myself or whatever. So nobody knew who I was. They'd just go, hey, who's the avatar over there? And it just kind of stuck. I mean, I think for the first couple of months, nobody actually knew my name. They just said, hey, avatar, you want to play? All right, you're in. <laughs> Yeah, as Gardhoff said there, I think uh, you're in another atmosphere right now, so that's why your voice maybe comes through. <laughs> yeah, I, I need to come down to your guys' floor. Exactly. <laughs> How long have you been playing volleyball? Uh, I started playing volleyball probably about four years ago, maybe four and change, uh, when I was living down in South Carolina with a good buddy of mine. Uh, moved out to California about two years ago. Okay, well, did you move out with the plan of playing beach volleyball or baseball or what? Yeah, yeah, I moved out because, you know, I, basically I was done with baseball. I had retired. You know, I didn't have anything going on. Me and my buddy just bought the cheapest volleyball we could find and started trying to learn to play. And we were, like, celebrate like madmen if we passed it back and forth three times. And I absolutely loved it. Just wanted, That's all I wanted to do. So, you know, I, you know once I spent a couple of years and I finished my degree and all that stuff, I was just saying, you know what, I'm going to move out to California and I'm going to try to play all the time, and we'll see what we can do in this game. So is it safe to say that you really only played in California kind of semi-serious real volleyball for two full seasons? Yeah, yeah. About two years was when I moved out to California and I played, you know, tried to play five, six days a week. And how how serious was the training when you were out in South Carolina? I mean, I'm sure it started with just let's go have some fun, but at some point out, fun with your I, I, yeah, I don't know if I would ever even call it training. You know, we had a local, uh, there was a court by the local uh, Tiki Hut, you know, and we would just go and try to play pickup games. And half the time we were playing against high school girls and the local DJ who was about five foot four. So uh, I wouldn't call that really training. It was just, you know, where I started to learn how much fun this game could be. Uh, before they continue the uh, conversation, I just want to point out that the DJ on this show is 5'10", not 5'4". <laughs> okay, so yeah, I do not want to play against that DJ. That includes the Mohawk. But. Yeah, continue your interview. <laughs> Ryan, when you played, you know, I'm interested in your baseball career a little bit, too. Were you on the Tom's River uh, Little League All-Star team that went to Williamsport? 
I was not. That was I went to that same uh, little league, but I was a year uh, older than the guys that went to uh, won the whole thing. So they were. Oh, I'm sorry. I was two year. I was one year younger than the guys that went, and two years older than the guys that won it. Yeah, Towns River East Little League has been like a powerhouse, and they've gone about four different times. So, uh, yeah, I, unfortunately, I wasn't part of that group. Yeah, well, when you when you're six eight and pitching from a sixty from a forty five foot and probably have some domination there. How t- yeah, you know, you'd think that a guy that was, you know, you know, shaven and stuff by the time I was 12 could uh, could throw a little bit harder than I did, but I, I couldn't carry my team to Williamsport. <laughs> were, were 18-year-olds shoulder tapping to you when you were 12 years old? <laughs> Wait, what was that question? So, when you, when you were playing baseball, were you think, were you, did you know, I mean, as we've said a lot here, uh, I'm sorry, I'm really having trouble hearing you guys. Can you hear me? I've got my phone as loud as I can hear, and I'm and I'm catching you in and out. It could be our end, but hopefully uh, maintain long. Okay. All right. One, Let's one, see if I maybe move around a little bit. One question that I have for him, and hopefully he can hear it, is the game, the beach game has changed so much in the last couple of years. What do you think? You there? Yeah, go ahead. Beach game's changed. There you go. So, did you follow the game when it was bigger court? How do you think you would have performed in that situation? You know, to be honest, I, I've never played a game of big court. Uh, I, I wasn't really a fan. Like, I started watching the game the first time I started playing it. So, it was around, you know, 2008 when Phil and Todd were just dominating everybody and, uh, you know, making that run at the gold medal. So uh, I, I don't know the big game. I don't really. I've never played it before. Uh, how I fare, uh, from what I understand, blocking is less important. Ball control is more important. So that would take away one of my strengths and add to one of my weaknesses. But, you know, give me a couple of years and I'll see what I can do. I watch you a lot. And uh, this is Jeff. I watch you in Belmar a lot. And I was really impressed with the, uh, the other factors, you know, not just the block. But the transition setting, these great events, uh the footwork, the moving away from the and service. Yeah, I, I'm really having trouble. You guys are catching in and out. Do you need me to move or something like that? Like I can, I heard half of those words. Just talk about whatever you want to. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just you, you want to talk about politics? How about Casey just being being a loud obnoxious guy? Let's just talk about that for the for the remainder of the interview. We want to know more about you. Tell us about you. Okay. Uh, so about me, uh, super huge fan of Phil and Todd. Like, I know I said I wasn't a big fan of, uh, you know, I didn't really watch the, you know, big court game. But I've watched every match that Phil and Todd have ever played that's been online, that's been on YouTube, that's been on the old AVP.com website. Like, you know, a guy that's 6'9", jumps as high as he does, has great hands. Like, he kind of showed how good you could be as a big guy in this game, especially with, you know, the smaller court. So, in terms of, you know, volleyball inspiration, he's about as good as it gets for me. So, you know, he's that guy that anytime I start to get a little full of myself, I just watch him play and you realize how much further I need to go. Do you have any goals, any specific goals for the season or the next couple of years? You know, it was really kind of hard for me to lock down some goals this year. Casey has no bones about it. He wants to play in the 2016 Olympics. He wants to go down to Rio, uh, you know, and see what he picked me up with the express purpose of being a team that has that big block and the oversized defender so that they can compete on the international level. Uh, 
I have been telling him from the get-go, my goal is to see how good I can get. And if my goal is, you know, I was good enough to take a ninth in Hermosa and that's the best I could ever do, then, then I would have been proud of that. But I think that uh, I'm, I'm starting to realize that my goal should be a little loftier than that. Like, I think I could be a guy that wins tournaments and, you know, competes internationally. Uh, I'm not there yet, but I need to I need to get to that level of consistency, and then I'll be able to lock in some more legitimate long-term goals. That's a great answer. Uh, you guys have done fantastic so far. Have you play against Todd and Phil or Jake and Sean or Matt and Nick, the teams that haven't been here to medals very often? Uh, now, uh, Sean uh, Rosenthal and Jacob, we got to train against, you know, twice a week all off season, And that was, honestly, that was one of the best things that could have happened for me and Casey. Uh, you know, Mike Dodd was setting those guys up with practices, and we got in with their group, and, you know, we would end up betting bonsai balls or Jamba Juices on, like, every match we play, and I had to buy those guys more Jamba Juices than I care to mention. But uh, it really kind of helped elevate my and Casey's game to see, you know, to play at that level in, you know, a practice setting. And now, you know, those guys are absolutely killing it, and I can't wait to watch them in the Olympics. And uh, me and Casey are having a season that I would say uh, almost everybody would say, would agree that is uh, a little above what they expected. How would you assess not only your uh, just this weekend's performance? Uh, this weekend I would say it as inconsistent. And, you know, you guys were talking about it a little bit before I heard, I heard you while I was on the queue. Uh, you know, I, I had classes of doing some really good things, of serving well, of putting up a good block, of, you know, siding out well. And then there was classes where I just, you know, couldn't couldn't control the ball as well as I needed to or I couldn't, you know, make that shot that I needed to make. And, you know, we ended up losing to two good teams because of it. You know, uh, you can't expect to go up against a team like Sean Scott and Johnny Hyde and play mediocre and come away with a win. You know, they're they're too good. They're too refined. So, uh, if anything, I just looked at this as, you know, I need to get my game a lot more con- at a consistent high level if I want to compete at that, you know, with those guys. Do you think that uh, the surface and the conditions in Hermosa uh, had anything to do with it? It's a little bit different playing in the deep sand. Yeah, yeah, that, that deep sand is something. And, you know, Casey loves it as a defender. He loves moving around in that deep sand. It was a little bit different for me moving around, not being, you know, nearly as springy as I, as I usually feel. Uh, and then, you know, having a little bit of wind that you kind of had to deal with. Uh, so, you know, uh, it would be really easy for me to just kind of try to play in the conditions, but the fact is that everybody was playing on the same surface. You know, everybody was playing in deep sand, everybody was playing in wind, and, you know, they happened to control the ball better or serve better or pass better or whatever they needed to do. So, you know, we, we ended up taking a ninth, and, you know, I had to own up to that. Wow, with Avatar here, Ryan Doherty, seven foot one out of New Jersey. How long did it take? If you're like uh, a minute and a half. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I missed the question. One more time. That was a great <laughs> question too. Ask it again. Was it a good one? Dang. Oh, Ryan, can you hear me? This is DJ Rocher here. We haven't officially met yet, but uh, are you hearing me okay? Yeah, yeah, I hear you just fine. Yeah, Dustin. I've been talking. Um, Dustin's question was, how long did it take? How long did it take to wind up when you were pitching? Forty-five minutes. Uh, you know, for the wind-up, I, I used to be able to get pretty close. Like, I think uh, they measured me letting the ball go at about 49 feet away. Uh, in terms of the slide step, I needed to do that whenever there was a guy in first because if I just went full wind-up with a guy in first, he would steal second base uh, pretty much without uh, without sliding. So, yeah, I, I definitely need to be a little bit quicker. I don't think I was as explosive with the wind-up uh, as a stretch, but I used to be able to get pretty close and create some pretty interesting angles off that mound. 
I can only imagine standing in the batter's box and having you on the pitcher's mound throwing, just say, 90-mile-an-hour fastball at me. I would. I took 95 in college. Don't sell me short now. <laughs> I wouldn't even get in the batter's box then at 95. Um, <laughs> like, I didn't... Uh, I'm sorry. I, I, I can't hear a thing. Uh, it's Justin's fault. Did, were you ever a batter? Did you get to get up? Was that? I was a terrible hitter, just god awful. Uh, I didn't hit after my freshman year of high school. Well, God, you got about a seven foot strike zone. It's got to be pretty easy to throw a strike. Yeah, and I was swinging a broomstick for a bat, so it just wasn't going to work either way. Yeah, they just stuck me on the mound, and I did I did my job up there. Your goals for the next couple years between one. Uh, again, I couldn't really hear. I heard gold for the next couple of years. So I'm just going to fire away with that, and hopefully that answers your question. Uh, for for this offseason, I definitely have some legitimate goals in terms of I need to gain a little bit of strength. Uh, I've, I've, you know, me and Casey kind of had a game plan as to going forward this year, whether it was going to be, hey, you know, I could do the same thing I've always done and lift it half the time and work out half the time. But he's saying, you know, I don't think you're going to have the ball controlled by then for us to be competitive. So let's skip a lot of the lifting and let's just go nuts on the beach. And we would spend, you know, four hours a day, five days a week, just, you know, doing drills and stuff like that. So I definitely lost a little bit of strength and a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, flexibility through that. So this offseason, I definitely got to gain a lot of that back. And then for next year, you know, refine that jump serve, get that going a little bit better, make sure that I could be hand-set in case instead of having a bump set in the whole time. Uh, you know, work on passing all the sorts of different serves. Try to see a thousand float serves, a thousand jump serves, all that fun stuff. And hopefully that really helps me start to, you know, get the game a little bit more consistent at a high level. Well, Ryan, I hope that you can get out to the international tour as soon as possible because that game really would suit you. It's got the hard packed sand where you can really be springing a ton of court and you got big hitters out there that you could shut down. I see a really bright future for you. I hope you can get out and start playing international. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Now, that means a ton coming from you. I mean, uh, anytime you've got a guy like Stein Metzger saying, yeah, make sure you listen to Jeff because me and him refined exactly how, how we won some tournaments. Like, he's a guy that I trust. Uh, you know, that that kind of speaks to your knowledge of the game. So uh, anytime I can get a compliment like that, I'm really going to appreciate it. I appreciate it from you. It's really nice to have a guy with uh, your humble attitude and your uh, simple, straightforward goals. I have on the I think you're going to be a for a long time. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. And hopefully we can get down and practice a little bit more in Hermosa. Let's do it. All right, Ryan. Thanks for calling in. Sorry about the audio issues. We really appreciate no it. No worries. No worries. Hopefully I didn't look too bad out there. All right, guys. Take it easy, huh? Good times. Are, Are we good? Good for me. Are we good now? I mean, I know we're having some issues. It seems to be only during the, the interviews and... We'll this see feels what, better, doesn't it? Just feels better with the. We'll see what the chat board says in a second. You guys both have such soothing voices. I'm just mm, very relaxed. Though. Yeah, all good now. A couple of Barry Whites sitting next to me. Yes, when people call in, that's really bothering me. We should have them here in the, in the back row. They're gonna have to get on the court with us. In yeah, the back row, in the back row. No more cell phones. No, just no come more, into the studio. Yeah. No more two bars from Huntington. Coach on one, just in the corner. 
I will say this, Barnett and Reed kind of both hinted at possibly having the net live at my house all the time, and that's just not going to happen. I'll let you know that right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's the cell phone, it's their problem, not our problem. It's the two people that have called in, it's their issues, not yeah. our issues? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's not forget the sabotage possibility. Absolutely. Totally. He's a good guy, by the way. I mean, so humble and great guy. thankful and, and seems to have a good attitude. Like I said, I haven't had a chance to see him play. Um, he does have a great attitude. On the court and off, he's one of the most humble guys I've met with most serious potential, serious goals combined with most humble attitude. I heard uh, Jake on the show a couple weeks ago, he called in, and he was saying how he's now one of the smaller guys. Not not smaller, but when he started internationally, he was hitting over people, and maybe it was a combination of his youth at the time, but also the size thing. Are Internationally, are there a lot more guys out there that are like avatar that are seven feet tall and playing on the beach and and six six defenders i mean casey and ty used to play together and casey was almost blocking the whole time right and casey six six with long arms he was a legitimate blocker himself yeah um jake's a six seven but he's kind of a small six seven in that he's not super buff he doesn't jump super high but yeah we don't have the, the seven foot crew out there yet but we definitely have a lot of six foot eight as soon as you get six eight six nine then it becomes you know that much harder to chip a perfect little high line shot over for someone like Jake. Are other countries having huge, are there 6'10"? I mean, I always remember when I was playing, seeing the other indoor teams, you know, like the Dutch, the Russians, they always had 6'10", 6'11", 6'10", in, in, in the front row or something. And you're like, geez, how do you even get the ball by them? Are, are those guys going to the beach now? Well, I think a lot of them do. You've got some of these small countries like in Austria or Switzerland or, or wherever where it's a much smaller country than the USA, right? And there's maybe not as great of a history of indoor volleyball. And so it's harder for some of these countries to put together 12 great players in hopes of making an Olympic indoor volleyball team, right? So if they've got four or five great players, yeah, it makes all the sense in the world for them to say, hey, why don't we just get one of you and the best libero or outside hitter, kind of like the Dutch. The yeah. Dutch, that's what they have. You know, A1 Italian indoor players who said, you know, I'm I'm kind of burned out on indoor now. Let's go out there. And they got a phenomenal left side outside hitter in Reindeer. And then uh, Richard Schiel, the, the right sider, phenomenal indoor opposite. So, yeah, when I, when I was working with uh, England, the first thing that we did um, in 2007 when they got the games was they started a, uh, I can't remember the name of the project. It was basically like a search for giants. And, <laughs> and they went nationally with a program to find anybody who was in like the you know 95 to 99 percentile in height that was playing athletics in any sport wow. and, and tried to pull them out there. Some soccer goalies, whatever they could get. Yeah, so you can guarantee the bigger countries like China, or, you know, are doing that as well. Well, uh, Ryan is like you said, 28 years old. Casey Patterson's what 32, I think. So that's again, you're talking about the the average age of those. Um, FIVB or, or international beach players being higher for the Americans than maybe some of the other countries. Interesting to see what what's going to be real. I mean, we're very focused, obviously, on London, but if you're not in London and you're still playing, you're clearly focused on Rio, and Ryan made it clear that that's a goal of, of his and Casey's. Yeah, it sounds like Casey's really. Yeah, I've heard Casey say that uh, when he was on the show. I don't think he said that, but I've, in person he's made that a major goal of his for sure. That's really good to see because I know that Casey has been someone with a lot of uh, potential and talent for years on the beach, but uh, has had trouble defining whether he was a defender or a blocker, uh, didn't know if he was playing left or right, also you know, needed to pay the bills for the kids and has been playing overseas indoors. So I think he would really uh, blossom if he could 
have a partner he knows he can count on, a role he can count on, playing the right and defense only, and uh, and a really crystal clear lifetime goal of the Olympic Games. Well, we see a lot of partner swapping. So if they – there's going to be some up and downs with Ryan just because, you know, he's still learning the game. Right. You know, they took a ninth. They've won three, but they are two – Three. They've won three, took a ninth. You know, they're going to be up and down. Some teams would be like, all right, we're out. We won. We took a ninth. You're yeah, out. Two ninths. Yeah, two ninths. Yeah. Two ninths. Yeah, you're out. We're not playing together anymore. Right. You know, right. they stick together for two years. All of a sudden, you know, you don't see a lot of partner switching at the top teams. And I don't think that's not. No, that's a great point. But you don't have a lot of seven foot one guys who can. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, what happens if someone like a Rosie all of a sudden, maybe Jake stops playing a year or two from now or something, and Rosie calls you? That was my thought is that when Ryan gets a lot better. Right. He's going to start getting more phone calls. Yeah. Casey yes. better sign a contract sign now. Sign something. <laughs> yeah. Put it in writing. A napkin, whatever. Yes. My hand. I don't care. <laughs> sign something. All four of the teams that are representing the U.S. in this Olympics, it's, it's, they've been together at least four years, right? Because April and Jen just missed yep. out when they were a new partnership. Yep. Obviously, Carrie and Misty and, and Phil and Todd and, and Rosie and Jake. So, you know, it, it's not a coincidence that that sort of thing happens. Yeah, our game really rewards people who have experience and who have played together for a long time. And all respect and love to Nick Lucina and uh, Matt Furbringer. Yeah. I wish to God they could have gone as well to the Olympic Games. But I, I, I personally feel like we uh, that teams do a little bit better when they've actually been there before because of some of the things Dustin was talking about earlier. Just knowing how to deal with all of the media and the responsibilities and the family and the communication and the social media and things like that. It really helps a lot to repeat. So I think Jake and Sean and Todd and Phil, you know, our favorites going in just due to talent and experience. Yeah, well, just recently, I think it was uh, Friday, the schedules were released. I know the pools were out earlier this week and now the beach schedules are released. Jeff Alzina is the resident coach here z um some dream draws for our for our teams you were saying some good some good pulls for their first matches i know that misty and carrie start uh it's 11 p.m local time that's 3 p.m pacific on july 28th they take on natalie cook in her fifth olympics is that right fifth that's crazy and in any sport i mean to do it's really impressive to play in your fifth olympics so they're playing uh, australia and on the on the men's side Phil and Todd on Sunday will play Japan at 2 p.m. Pacific. Um, what what else do you see on those on those other matches, Gibbon? Well, I want to I want to clarify right away that uh, the one that's not a dream draw is Carrie and Misty right. against uh, Natalie Cook. That I think will be one of the tougher matches because of just the sheer guts and will and and comp- competitive greatness of Natalie Cook, and she has a really tall partner, Tamsin Hinchley, who's um, I think she's well over six foot. I think she's about carry size, six three. So I think that'll be a, an initial tough test for carrying Missy, maybe a good test. Um, the other guys are all playing uh, an easier round, their first round, which is always kind of nice. Mm-hmm. You get your feet wet, you know, get some of the jitters out against the lowest ranked team in your pool. Um, all those games are nighttime games. Uh, we have some history doing that. You know, the AVP tour had nighttime games, and some of these players have been in the Olympics playing at night. Um, I believe the format is that you've got these pools of four, and if you take top two in your pool, you're automatically advanced into the next round. Correct. And they take the best four third, third place. place teams and do some sort of redraw so that they play each other in like a semifinal type thing, and two of them come out to join as well. Yes. That's interesting. Kind of the lucky loser type thing to make it to a separate consolation playoffs. Um, I know that, that Jen and April are taking on the Argentinian team, and... So just to round it out, uh, 
I think that's all four that we mentioned. But yeah. what does it mean? I mean, playing at night is that because it's it's not like seven o'clock local time. It's like eleven, ten, ten. Does it matter because it's you know the clock is so different? I mean, and they're playing at one o'clock local time here, West Coast time. Is that better for them because they'd rather do that than play say one o'clock at in London time and it's you know four in the morning here? Well, I think that they're all going out there early enough to be fully uh, accustomed to the local time. I think they won't have any problem with any sort of jet lag or issues like that. I think more of it is just uh, when your body's ready to play. In the Atlanta games, there were no night matches. In Sydney, there were no night matches. But in Athens and Beijing is when they started playing under the lights a little bit later. And uh, so these athletes, you know, missing carry, who have been there and played those kind of events, shouldn't be much of a problem at all. I think they'll be fully adjusted to local time. Um, being that late, you actually do, you can probably eat a dinner around 6 or 7 p.m. and be fully, fully digested um, and ready to compete at 11 o'clock. I think, uh, I think it'll be kind of be an advantage for us. Yeah. And, and just to, to go back and I found the schedule here, you're absolutely right with the, the top four third place teams have two, two finals, if you will. And then the winners of those go back into the round of 16. So there's actually two with third place teams that are going to end up making it in addition to the the 14 first and second place teams. Yeah, I like that format because sometimes you're in a pool of three tough teams. I yeah. think that Jen and April in a in a pool of three tough teams. They've got the Spain team, uh, McMillan and Bacarizo, as well as Sunny Kaiser and her partner uh, from the Netherlands. Those are three great teams who have been in several Final Fours and won events. Um, I talked to Jeff Conover, Kessie Ross's coach, and he says, well, you know what? You know, Spain is a is a very good team and an up and coming team who's had a lot of success this season, but they feel that they match up real well with him. So he didn't seem too concerned about that. But if you've got three great teams in a pool, you you know, you're looking at possibly not making it into the next round, probably taking a, a seventeenth at the Olympic Games. Yeah, Jen and April go as the fourth seed overall, the the Dutch the ninth and the Spanish sixteenth. So um that that could be a tough one. I mean you've got to go outside of the, the US in the in the at pool F, Great Britain, Italy, Russia, and Canada, you're talking about the 6th, 7th, 18th, and 19th seeded teams respectively. So that right there is going to be a lot of battling, I'm sure, for those of you following the entire competition, not just the Americans. Yeah. What well, you've got, you know, they've got that Argentina team in there, and you've got the British team in there. There's a, several teams in these Olympic Games that are not top 32 teams by any stretch of the imagination. You know, uh, it's always kind of shocking when you've been to the Beach volleyball Olympic Games, you realize that um, as far as the draw goes, it's not even near the toughest tournament to win. Yeah, we've mentioned that on the show before. The toughest tournament to win is something like the World Championships, where everybody there has has earned their way in due mm. to pure ranking, and that you could have multiple teams from a country three, four, five, six teams from USA or Brazil. Here, you've only got two from each country maximum, and I believe. You've got 16 teams that were in the top 16, and outside of that, the other eight teams have all qualified through different different methods, you know, through co- continental cups and mm-hmm. quotas and things. Yeah, Lauren Fendrick and Brooke uh, Hansen were 13th ranked team in the world, but they don't get to go to the Olympics. Right. So just throwing that out there. No, that's how that's how it works. Like you said, in the in the Olympics, it's a different it's a different. I don't know if it, does expanding the field make it a little bit more competitive to say a. a 32 team draw or are you still going to run into is it like the you know the bcs and everything you're going to run into this a, a similar problem just at a on a different scale well i think 
both those answers are right. I mean, it would make it a little more competitive, but it's still, it, it's it's just odd because it's such an American thing to to market the Olympic Games as the best in the world. This mm-hmm. is the biggest and yeah. best and toughest thing, you know. And everybody is honored for life for being a, a medalist and certainly a gold medalist, as they should be. But um, you know, the kind of little dirty secret behind it is that you know you're not playing the best teams in the world. That it's just a fact. It's not an opinion. You are not playing the best teams in the world. You know, there's some top Brazilian teams and top American teams that won't be there, including <laughs> Lauren and Brooke, and including Matt Furbringer and uh, Nick Lucena, yeah. as well as a couple really top Brazilian teams. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm excited about the Olympics. I uh, all this build up and haven't been able to see any of our international teams play live this year, except for Lauren and Brooke. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. And I'm looking forward to hear your guys' predictions after we take this quick little break. Ooh. You like that, don't you? Yeah. So you might, might want to write that down because you want to uh, start writing your uh, picks now. I'm going to have to get the pen out and start crossing off uh, names. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Net Live. On the back row. The back. Oh, yes. You're listening to The Back Row. Oh, I'm going to change the intro for next week. Scooping. That's awesome. Yeah. You're listening to The Back Row on The Net Live from DJ Ruscha's Loft. You don't have to find the best college coaches. They find you at Spire Institute. Spire's postgraduate volleyball academy wants athletes. Spire delivers customized volleyball training and competition led by head coach John Hawks, athletic development with Michael Johnson performance, and educational options all in Olympic-grade facilities. There is no better way to impress college coaches and increase scholarship opportunities. Spire Institute postgraduate men's and women's programs in multiple sports. It's not taking a year off. It's adding a year to your future. Sign up today at SpireInstitute.org. Okay. 
songs of all time. That's because it's one of the best hip hop songs of agree. all time. Totally agree. We're back, Jeff. How you feel? I feel fantastic. You've uh, led in with Tupac and Roots Reggae and now Tribe Called Quest. This couldn't be better. Can I, I hang out all day? I knew yeah. what my hosts needed to get themselves going. We'll just listen to music here. Sure. Talk to each other on the mics. We have our next guest. I hope that uh, our audio issues we've had so far don't continue. Well, we're, we're about to find out. I'll try the intro and we'll see where we go from there. This young lady... Started off in Long Beach, California, at Long Beach Wilson. Twice. She was National Player of the Year in high school, 04 and 05. She matriculated up to the Bay Area, Stanford, where she was a three-time first-team All-American. She is transitioning some career to the beach, kind of taking a look at things. We're going to talk to her about that under the tutelage of the great Jeff Alzina, coming off a 17th in Hermosa Beach. Say hello, Cynthia Barbosa. Hi. How are you guys doing? Great. How are you? I'm great. Happy to be here. We're happy to have you. <laughs> Thank you. What have been up to? How was Hermosa? Hermosa was great. It was a lot of fun. I was just kind of looking to get my feet wet and kind of see where I stand. Felt like a little puppy out there. Just, um, But it was a ton of fun. I had a great partner. That was kind of showing me the rope. You played with Tracy Weimer, so how would you uh, how would you assess your performance or your finish? You said you know you're trying to get your feet wet a little bit, and how would you assess it? Uh, you know, I was happy with like the effort and the both physically and mentally that we put into each play of the day. So, you know, um, when I'm so new to beach, I don't feel like it would do me any good to get super results-oriented, but um, I thought our process was great, so I was really happy with the tournament. Is the, you know, the, the big question, is the is the step onto the beach something that you see going that direction and you're not looking back, or are you sort of bouncing back and forth and trying to decide? Mm-hmm. How- That's a great question. Um, you know, I am not even two and a half weeks off of a pretty big, pretty intense um, physical, mental, emotional commitment um, to indoor and the push for this this quad in the Olympics. So I think I'm a little hesitant to, like, jump right into the commitment boat again with something new, but uh, I'm really excited about it. I'm really excited about the possibilities and, and right now, I'm just kind of sitting back, taking a second to breathe, soak everything in, and see um, which direction I want to take my life. So, um, so yeah, beach is definitely in the forefront of the possibilities for me. Well, this is Jeff, and, you know, I love to hear that, and I love to hear that that was even a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> Did you but enjoy it? deserves a break. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's you. You have done so much for the sport of volleyball and had such a successful career all the way through high school for the last 10 years. 
you've done some incredibly amazing things. One of the most decorated players and skilled players that USA has ever seen. So if anyone needs a, a breather right now to reflect a little bit, set a new goal, it's you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to hear. I mean, as a fan of the beach, I'm glad to hear that it's a it's a difficult position or decision to make. I guess I should say. How how much did you enjoy it? What was the feeling like coming off, you know, such an intense few years like you've had? Um. Well, I mean, the first thing off the bat that I can think of is it was awesome to not feel my knees when I'm jumping and landing. So that was a big that was a big plus for me. And then it's just. For me, it's so different. Like, uh, once you get to the highest level indoors, the margins become really slim between the good players and the great players. And so you're really, on our national team, we're we're hammering out, like, very, very small details of the game. And I feel like um, with the transition to, to beach, I've got, like, very big pieces that we need to start putting in place in terms of, like, you know, strategy, eye sequencing, some technical changes, all that kind of stuff. So for me, it's kind of like this big open project. It's not this, like, finely tuned machine that we're just tweaking here and there. It's like a, it's a whole new beast. So for me, that's really fun and really exciting to have something so new and different. But still, you know, it's still volleyball at the end of the day, so I'm not totally outside of my comfort zone, but I'm excited to learn. Right, and I think that people who are excited to learn enjoy making those transitions, whether it's uh, the middle of their career or towards the end of their career. Um, for some people, those huge uh, gaps in where you are and where you want to be, going from indoor to beach, and those huge chunks of learning that are ahead, some people get really daunted by that. And And, you know, we've had a lot of quality indoor players turn down the potential careers in beach because they just see it as so much more work. But I think on the other hand, a lot of players say, Hey, that sounds like a fun challenge. I love learning. I love to learn and get better at everything I do. So beach offers, you know, offers that for great indoor players. Are you, I know you said your future is kind of, you know, you haven't made that decision yet, but are you planning on playing in more beach tournaments this summer? You know, um, this summer is a little tough. Uh, I would like to, um, but I leave for Russia in the middle of September. I have a couple weddings I've got to go to. I'm out of town a couple weekends, and then really, then Russia's there. So um, I'd like to get out on the beach as much as I can. Um, I'd love to play in tournaments. More than anything, I just want to surround myself with players that are better than me and just train, learn the ropes and um, kind of lay a foundation, lay a primer before I go to Russia so that I I have a better sense of uh, of what needs to be done when I get back in April and uh, what I want to do. So that's kind of where my head is on the whole, um, on the rest of the summer, which is, gosh, maybe eight weeks now? Wow. Not very long. I'm Well, a lot of people, and myself included, that you could make a tremendous beach volleyball player, you know, possibly a star on the beach, uh, due to, in a lot of ways, the way you currently play indoor. You know, I know that you've played the left, you've swung on the right, you've been a primary passer. I believe you even hit some middle in club in high school, if I'm right. <laughs> Maximum glory days. 
Yeah, you got a hammer jump serve, you got a great floater, uh, and you're a great read defender, and you can one-on-one block. Uh, and more technically, you get your feet to the ball and play the ball really softly and con- in a controlled manner, the way that beach volleyball does. So it seems that you have a very, a potentially very quick transition to becoming a, a fairly elite volleyball player if you set your mind to it. So I know there's a lot of people out there, myself included, hoping that uh, somewhere down the road that that is a possibility for you. Yeah, right now it sounds like a fun challenge. And um, I'm looking to switch things up, I think. I've been doing, you know, I'm only 25, but I've been doing the indoor national team thing for, gosh, this is my ninth summer now. Um so a change might be good for me. You're a veteran. <laughs> kind of. I'm still mid-range on that seniority list. Yeah. But <laughs> I've been there a while. So you have with them, what's your prediction or thoughts about the the women's national team that's headed to London and their performance, you know, lately and, and how they're going to stack up against some of the competitors? Oh, I think they're going to kill it. They're going to absolutely crush it. I have nothing but complete confidence in the in the 12 girls that are going and honestly in the 25 girls that were in the gym training all quad. Um, I think that we have really stable ball control. We have a fantastic leader in Lindsay Berg who's going to run in, run a, run a really complex offense. I think we've got um, a really balanced set of hitters. Um, we've obviously got Destiny who can terminate on the right. We've got smart players in Logan and Jordan who put balls away out of system and in system. Um, our middles are frighteningly effective. Faluka and Krista are absolute beasts. So, um, and then Nicole Davis rounds out our ball control, keeping us in system so that we can do what we want to do. I think that when we play our game, which is good, solid USA volleyball, not trying to go bounce for bounce with with anyone, just kind of like playing good over time and playing great when the moment presents itself, I think that solid, steady USA style We'll trump any other team in the world right now. It's a good vote of confidence. Strong, yeah. <laughs> but well, hey, I believe. Those it, are my girls. I've seen them more than anyone else. So, you know, I believe in them. Yeah, one of They're the going to be great. One of the other things that you've had a chance to see that maybe some of us haven't, or who are some of the competitors out there that you can see making a strong push in the Olympics in terms of the other countries? You know, um, like I said before, the margins are really slim in um, women's volleyball, and and the difference between winning and losing a match is one play here, one play there, and and one play really comes down to each contact. So, I mean, if you can lift your pass a little bit better so that the setter is in a better rhythm, like that's going to be a game changer when when we're playing Brazil and it's fourteen fourteen in the fifth. So. Um, I mean, all 12 teams going to London are strong teams. Um, we've got we've got a really tough pool on our side, actually. So there's not really any opponent that I think is weak, and each one presents a different kind of 
style of play and different composition with the athletes that they're bringing. So, um, but for sure, Brazil's always a good team. Italy's always a good team. China's there. Japan's there. You know, it'll be interesting to see um, what the Brits can do because no one's really seen them. So they might be a dark horse, you know. Everyone's kind of... Everyone's got a, we've got a target on our back and everyone's gunning for us. And what we've always said is like, you know, you can scout teams, but teams are going to play differently when they play against USA. So we always expect the best from our opponents. Yeah, it's a good call. What kind of style or size or speed do you think presents the most challenges for USA? <sighs> you know, it's, honestly, I, I think that... The Russians and the Chinese. Is it more of a fast-paced type thing, like a Brazil? I think Brazil is. I believe. I believe in the system we run, which is, you know, we isolate and we overload. We we spread the blockers out and then we jam it up the middle, and you know, we we kind of mix it up at a at a fast speed, but we still have players that can terminate out of system. And I would say Brazil is the closest to running in offense that's similar there. Then you have your teams like Korea and Japan that are going to run a ton of combos at a really fast speed, but maybe not at the height that we possess. And, um, you know, our, I mean, both of our starting middles have spent time professionally in Asian countries. Luca's played in Japan, Krista's played in China. And, um, so they've got experience dealing with that kind of the different, rhythm and tempo of the game so you know the biggest threat i see is really is really a team that runs a diverse offense like we do and for me that team would be brazil so someone who's almost a similar type team to usa a little Mm -hmm. and some speed and some diversity are there any personal matchups you can see in a brazil match uh one-on-one type matchups at the pins or the middles that uh you know, that you care to bring any light on? Um, you know, I, I think uh, Brazil actually decided to take a shorter setter um, in Fernandinha. Um, so that could be a nice blocking matchup for us on the left side. Um, but then, you know, Lindsay Berg, who's improved her blocking tremendously, is still a shorter athlete. So, they eight. could almost argue the same thing against us. That's why I think it's always such a fun game is because the teams are so similar. So, um, is you know, you and then... Much Bick at back row? You guys running? Run the yeah, first. we want, we run quite a bit of back row. I would say um, the majority of our back row attacks come from the D-ball, but um, Jordan and Logan both both attack on the bit quite a bit. And, and what, that's that's one of Brazil's trademarks is running out of the back row. Mm-hmm. And Brazil, do they Horses. run as well on the back or more D or? They they're mostly well, you know, it's changed over time a little bit, but uh, it kind of depends who's hot. Um, Shayla obviously is is one of the the best opposites in the world, and um, they'll set her quite a few balls from the back row, but. They've also got good outside hitters that are coming just barreling up the middle and forcing our blockers to kind of stay and um, 
it doesn't allow us to front as much if they try to move us with their middles running gaps. Brazil loves to set up the gap and then, like, isolate to the back set or run something straight up the middle if they see that our middles are fronting their quick. So um, that's just something we kind of have to be aware of, and depending on the matchup, we'll, we'll adjust accordingly. Well, it sounds like there's a tough pool and maybe even all 12 tough teams out there and uh, a potential great, great showdown with Brazil in pool play, if not uh, in playoffs as well. Uh, will you be watching? I will be. I will be. So it'll be exciting to see. I don't know. I I almost feel like all of my hard work is, like, invested there. And so just to see, you know, at this point, the hay is in the barn, and it's just about enjoying the experience. It's It's about whichever team can switch the focus from, like, gosh, there's so much pressure, this is the biggest tournament ever, to, like, this is an opportunity to do something cool, kick some ass, and come home with a gold medal. And I think we're in the right mindset. Yeah, well, with Paula Weishoff, Karskaray, and uh, Hugh McCutcheon leading the helm, I, I think they're in really good hands for both the uh, physical and mental uh, preparation that they're going to face in the Olympic Games. Right, right, right. Our, our coaching staff keeps us prepped and ready, and they, they do it ton of stuff. I truly believe that we're the best prepared team of any team in the world. When we step on the court, we know exactly what the game plan is, what we're trying to execute, and we have backup plans. So we don't stick rigidly to, like, our starting point. We get the information we can, and then I think our coaching staff is really good at um, facilitating adjustments as they see fit. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. We love having you on, Cynthia. I mean, you're one of the most accomplished players in U.S. history, and we'd probably love to have you for a full hour. But uh, oh, Thank you. It was fun. Thanks for having me. We're looking forward to the rest of your career, whether it be on the beach or indoor or both. Oh, thank you so much. Very positive to hear that uh, that you're still so invested in, in indoor and having the uh, laying the foundation, like you said, for a potential beach career. I know it's... Uh, a uh, lot to look forward for a lot of fans and coaches in the future. Thanks a ton for being here. Oh, thank you, guys. Have a good one. Take care. You too. Bye. Cynthia Barbosa. Dominate, dominated. Yeah, I mean, she, uh, like she mentioned, nine years and she's only, nine summers and she's only 25. So if she decides that she wants to go to the beach, I mean... Four years is nothing. Another quad, as she was calling it. Did you get to see her play this weekend, Jeff? I know. Uh... Well, I invited her to the uh, the elite development practice. Yeah. So we got to practice her two, three times last week. And during those practices, she found Tracy Weimer and they decided to play. So, yeah, she she's raw on the beach, but yeah. not as raw as you would expect somebody coming from indoor to be. Like I said, she's got she's already got a certain amount of beach sensibility and her reading ability and footwork. So, she could be really, really good. I feel like hearing from her and even from Ryan earlier on the show, like both of their positive attitudes towards just wanting to get better. That's just got to help you. You could have all the physical gifts in the world, but if you're just like, oh, go through the motions, fine. But if you're already a good player and want to get better, and you can't, you know, you can't coach that or teach that. If somebody wants to get better, that's the best thing ever, I think. When yeah. you hear uh, Barbosa, do you picture Leandro Barbosa or the captain from Pirates of the Caribbean first? <laughs> Never seen the part of the Oh, 
Jeff. <laughs> yeah, no, but I've been, uh, you know, hearing about Cynthia and seeing Cynthia play at different levels for, for years now, especially in Southern California. So it's great to hear from her. And it's got to be tough. Like she said, she's been committed and intensely, um, you know, emotion. And there's a lot of things associated with four years focused on one, you know, singular goal. And, and unfortunately or fortunately, we have so many top athletes that she's not joining the team to, to London. But as she said, I liked how she put it, the haze in the barn. She's put in so much effort to this team that, you know, that that team, there's a part of her and the other girls that I'm sure we're in the camp or whatever you want to call it for the past four years going to London, even though they can't make it themselves. Now, we've talked about it on the show, and especially Kevin, because he's played on the national team and Reed both, like the guys who are in the gym or the girls who are in the gym that are training with the team or were potential players to go to the Olympics, they deserve as much credit yeah. as the team does if they win the medal or however well they do, because Cynthia helped the players who are going to the Olympics right now get to the point where they could go to the Olympics. Absolutely. So she deserves as much credit as anybody else does. Yeah. Yeah. All the players in the gym always push each other. You push, you know, second team pushes first team as a group, as well as just individually trying to fight out for that one spot on that roster. And you could hear from her interview too. Like she's ex- as excited for the team as she would be if she was almost going. Yeah. Maybe not as much. Maybe, but, maybe yeah, not as. Not as much, but pretty close. I mean, there was no ill will in her voice no. at all. She was excited. No. Uh, Z, one quick question for you is what do you see when some of these elite players from indoors or from the national team even come out to the beach? And, I mean, because you don't hear about – I see too, gold medals. You don't hear too many of them that do it, right? I see gold medals. Yeah. That's what I see. I, I think Cynthia has incredible potential to be a superstar on that tour as well as someone like Alex Kleinman. Those, those kids have played in Southern California, played on the beach growing up. They, they, even if they haven't played a ton or dedicated to it, they have a lot of sensibilities and experience with it and uh, uh, a list of skills that will translate so quickly, as well as a personality. You know, Both Alex and Cynthia going to Stanford, being really bright people, really, really smart, genuine people is going to help their career a lot. And beach volleyball requires all of it. Yeah. And who doesn't want to play on the beach? I can't imagine why you no, would Why wouldn't you? Oh, well, yeah. Get to go to Russia or wherever she's going. Or Siberia, like Reed gets to go to. Yeah. He sends photos of his jacket that's about four feet it's thick. It's ridiculous. <sighs> I think it's a joke every time I see the pictures. You're like, ah, uh-huh. uh-huh. yeah. that's what life is. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at a photo here. Jeff brought some props with him to the show. He definitely did. Unfortunately, we're not uh, broadcasting live for video, but uh, there's a photo of Jeff with Team USA in Athens, Greece. Wow. You look very tan there, Jeff. I'm not going to lie to you. You should post that on the Facebook page. Right? I should. I'll take a photo with my phone. Yeah, we got everybody there. It's the whole delegation. We've got Nygaard and Blanton with their coach, Greg Vernovich. Uh, we've right. got Steve Paulseth, who was the trainer for years and years. we got Dane Selznick with Karen Misty, of course. Liz Matsakayan, who took uh, Holly and EY. And uh, myself with good old Dax and Stein. Look at Stein. That was right before his first retirement. Now he's back playing again. <laughs> back again. It was fun to watch them this weekend. It's always fun to watch those guys, especially the greats that are in that picture. I mean, everybody there, if you saw them playing, you would pause next to their court just to see what's going on. Of course. So cool. They're still all heavily involved in the heavily. sport. Heavily. Yeah. Heavily. Speaking of the Olympics, gentlemen, I think it's some time for some predictions by you. Ooh. We can go men's beach first. Dustin. You want, so where are our teams going to play? Yeah, what do you think is going to happen? I think that... Uh, and this is this is not what I want to happen. This is what I predict to happen. That's why correct? they call it predictions. Yeah, 
Uh, I think that Jake and Rosie are going to get the bronze. Okay. And I think that Phil and Todd are going to come short and uh, get the silver. Interesting. Yeah. I'm Brazil. And Lucy, you Brazil. think Brazil won? Yeah. Manuel yeah. yeah. Jeff? Uh, there's some teams that could definitely sneak in there and change those top three spots. I mean, Ricardo's still in yeah, there. Yeah, I know. But I like those top three teams as well. I'm going to reverse it. Jake and Sean take the gold. Wow. Over Alisson Emmanuel, Todd and Phil take a bronze after losing in the semis to one of those teams. Not that, not that you should or that you could put wagers on these matches, <laughs> but if that was something that happened, where do you think the, the, the odds would be for yeah. Rosie and Gibb winning it all? I mean, just imagine. What do you? Twenty to one. Twenty to one. I think it's probably only like three to one that they would meddle. I think most people still think, oh, I don't know if they. They're can on the outside the looking in. Yeah. Yeah. That Todd and Phil. I mean, Todd and Phil are still going to be great. I think it'll be barn burners again. That's like you said. It's not what I want to happen. That's just kind of what I feel right now. I can't see Todd and Phil not meddling. Right. Know? Yeah. Agreed. What did you say, by the way? Last week, if I remember correctly, I said only one of our men's teams is going to meddle. And I believe it's going to be Jake and Rosie. I'm on their bandwagon right now. Wow. Yes. You're off the fod. Not because I don't think they're not good enough to win. Right. Did that English make sense? Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't know. They're, uh, Jake and Rosie are riding high right now. Uh, women's Beach. We'll start with Jeff. Yeah, we'll even though I was looking at you. Yeah. <laughs> Good look away. Interesting. Again, not what I want to have. I hope both teams medal uh, gold and silver. But tough. Um I'm going to go with a women's final. You know, everything in the Olympic Games really comes down to the seed and who you play when. It's so much about that. Julian and Rissa are phenomenal. I'm going to go with China winning gold, Karen Misty, silver, and Brazil bronze. Kessie Ross, fifth. Interesting. I like that, though. I like the thought that goes into it. I'm going to... uh... I'm going to swap your first and second picks. I think Karen and Misty win a gold again, and they beat China in the finals. But I, but I do agree with your bronze pick, and I think Jen and April are going to lose the bronze medal match for a fourth, which is the worst finish to have at the Olympics. <laughs> it is, even though it's tremendous. I mean, it's, yeah, but it's just like really fourth. I remember uh, a movie about Steve Prefontaine, who was an outstanding runner in the '70s for Oregon, and. He, in the movie, he comes home after finishing fourth in the Olympics, and he says, yeah, I hear they're going to name a street after me. They call it Fourth Street. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, a little tough, but yeah, that's what I, that's what I think is going to happen. I think we're getting two medals on the women's side. Really? I do. Gold and silver? Uh, bronze. Yep. Very, uh-huh. very possible. Yes. Yeah, I, think, I, some for, I have a good feeling about Jen and April. I just do. I hope so. Hey, I hope it's an All-American final. I would love nothing more. It would be awesome. TV ratings here would be off the uh, hook. Off the hook. Yeah. It'd be great. Um, China's just tough. I, 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 no, I totally agree. No, it's not yeah. It's not easy for the women. That's for sure. We'll go with the uh, – we'll save the men for last. Women indoor next. What do you think is going to happen, Dustin? I don't know much about the other squads. I mean, I know Brazil's always tough and some of the, the Asian countries, but, I, I mean, you heard it from Cynthia. I think that our women's team is so above and beyond that gold. Okay. Yeah. Jeffrey? I think they struggle somewhere in the middle uh, of the tournament, maybe like at the end of pool or maybe in a playoff round, and then win gold in resounding fashion. Hose down. Yeah, I yeah. think, I think yeah. they're getting gold, too. That's my call. Yeah. Now the men. Jeff. Men's indoor. Wow. 
I don't know the pools. I don't know how it's set up. Yeah. I know that we have a lot of talent. We have good coaching staff. Um, we don't seem to have the full chemistry or mojo or belief. Are in we a little the way we inconsistent? In yeah. the, I mean, I don't follow a whole lot. I just hear Kevin talk about it a lot. I hear a little bit now and then. Um, I get the feeling we're inconsistent. I saw them play live in Dallas when I was at the Junior Olympics last month. And Reed was in a funk in that one match. So I haven't seen him play for a while. I know he is such an absolute stud. But when Rooney came in, it was a big difference maker. I don't know if it was just his size or uh, the point that he was hitting from or serve receive. I don't know. But um, I really liked him on the outside. Him and uh, Apparently him. at the moment, um, Rooney is starting outside. Reed is not. He looked really good in Dallas. As a captain? Is Reed captain? Yep. Hmm. Interesting. He was really good. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if they can medal. I don't know. I think they'll be close. Yeah, fourth. <laughs> you love that fourth. I hate it, but I think, uh, as Gardhoff just said, it. I was just looking at their pool. Their pool's brutal. Brazil, Russia, Serbia, USA. I mean, wow. Yeah. If you stumble on any of those matches that you're not – so the matches that you're supposed to win, if you stumble on any of those – and somehow, you know, don't make it out of your pool, then obviously you're hosed. But it's it's going to be a tough one for them. Um, again, not what I hope happens. I hope they make a run like last time and just defy the odds. Right. It's always possible. They certainly have the talent to do it. Um, I don't know if the, the chemistry and the flow and the, the pure lineup is in there right now for them to make a run all the way through into the medals. But I hope so. Yeah, I mean, I have better uh, personal relationships with, players on that team than any of the other teams. So I'm definitely going to be rooting for them with a little more, you know, personal emotion. But I also think that it's, going to, it's the one that needs my, my rooting the most. Yeah. <laughs> Your mojo. For my that. mojo. Yes. Yeah. My awesomeness that keeps breaking the audio here. That's all good. Well, Dustin, who do you think on that team is a quick question. Who is like, who are they rallying around? Who can they rally around in the middle of a tournament like that? Who's just an emotional leader on the court. That's going to, uh, Push him to the next level. Yeah, it's tough because their best player, Clay, I think Clay is their best player. Um, Clay Stanley, their opposite, is not, in my experience, the most vocal leader to be able to, you know, I know Donald will try to do it, Don Sujo. I don't know um, if he's earned that trust, if you will. I mean, I know he was hurt the last Olympics, so he, he couldn't go, but he's been with them for a while. In, in the program. He was a spark plug in 04. He yeah. came off the bench yep. and really. Yeah. Um, and I've seen him do it, uh, you know, firsthand in college. So I, I hope that that's what happens. But, you know, I also like Rich Lamborn as their libero being in that spot for so long and, and hopefully being the spark plug there. So I think, I think David Lee's great in the middle. I, I'm a little bit questionable as I know Barnett is about some of the decisions on who's going at some of the backup spots and what they claim they, they can do. And, Hopefully that you don't need to use them. I mean, heaven forbid somebody goes down, and I think that our men's team might be in a bit of a pickle if somebody goes down, and especially if they're a large contributor. Maybe not the outside, but any of those other positions. So um, hopefully Don Sujo is the is the leader of that team, and that everybody buys into that, and you know we're celebrating another gold. That'd Jeremy. be awesome. Um, I don't remember what I said about the men's oh, how convenient. team. To be honest with you, I have to listen to audio last week, but oh. I will tell you this: I think they're good enough to medal. Not sure it's going to happen. I think if they somehow it comes together during pool play and they play well during pool play, they can carry that over. If they stumble, like you said, a little bit in pool play, then it's over. Yeah, it could be over quick. Hope not. 
Yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm, you know, I know Reed more now, a little personally invested. So. Right. One thing's, one thing's really exciting, and that's that in four days, it's opening ceremonies. For sure. So that's that's really cool. I know that you guys have another show next Monday. Next I'm not Monday, sure, we'll be talking uh, about Olympics. Yeah. Not sure who's wow. going to be sitting in this seat, how much audio is going to be working, but <laughs> we'll all be listening and be talking. Yeah, you're right about the Olympics. There will already have been Olympic matches played at this time next week. So It's awesome. Follow online. I don't know what. How are you gonna? Is it all on some network somewhere? Or follow online or what? Things all NBC, like NBC. All of NBC's channels will be showing everything. I have a feeling that uh, volleyball will be pretty, um, pretty prominent because it's uh, they like showing the stadium. I mean, those tickets sold out pretty much right away once they went on sale, and it's just you know they do good. It looks like a party compared to all the other events. Yeah. Watching beach volleyball, it looks like the best venue to hang out at. So. We may be prime time and on NBC or NBC Sports. I mean, we'll be all over the place. We'll be yeah. talking about it on the net live, posting it on our Facebook page, everything. One thing that I wonder is, you know, the weather on the beach there, being that it's London, and I've heard and seen all the rain and, yeah. you know, the crummy weather, if that could affect not just the, the, the beach games, but who does what. Um, I know in Beijing there was a lot of weather on, on the beach, and it didn't necessarily affect the the finish, at least, if you looked at it on paper. Kara Misty won. It was raining in the gold medal match. Right, exactly. Yeah. So Jake I'm, and Sean said that ball weighed about five extra pounds. Really? Uh, being soaked, even though they rotate the ball. It, the Olympic Games is so much about who can deal with adversity on the spot. Yeah. It's, you, don't, you, know, you don't get a second chance. You're playing one match, no real double elimination type situation. And can you deal with it? Can you deal with a weather change? Uh, any kind of different change, temperature, schedule change, who can, sometimes people panic. They, they've been waiting for four years for this thing, and they envision it being perfect. And when it's not, it can yeah. really throw them off. So I think Americans historically have dealt with adversity really well. Yeah. Yeah. And with that being said, you guys did a great job today. I really enjoyed Thanks. it. Hopefully so did we you. We I appreciate that. Yeah. Didn't break anything. You guys knew what you were talking about. We faked our way through at least 90% of the show. It's great. It was Perfect. awesome. Pretty usual. Uh, nothing about motocross and no motocross, no flag football, no Kevin's kids yelling in the background about getting hitting in the private parts. We didn't even cover club volleyball. I could have talked for yeah him. about oh, Jay no and juniors. Yep. Oh, that's right, Garhoff. I appreciate that on the on the uh, chat room. Yeah. Anaheim, who was very supportive of our uh, both of our indoor teams, they did a uh, thing at Disney World or Disneyland. Yeah, or part of the, the parade. Or yeah. Something, yeah. Um, very supportive. They're going to be having viewing parties. We're trying to get that information for you. As soon as we get it, we will put it up on our Facebook page. They are really behind our teams and supporting us very well, which is nice. Very cool. We'll get you all that information as best we can. Gart Hoff said he may invite everybody from the NetLive to his house, so I will be giving out his address next week on Monday's show. And uh, that's, that's a good show, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for everybody for listening, and uh, hey, thanks to Jeff Elzina. Thanks for DJ Jeremy Roche for inviting me. And we'll see you soon. Yeah, good times. Thanks for tuning in. See you soon. Go USA. The back row.